Right. Yes. Girl, you know it's true. Oh my goodness. This was hilarious. Girl, um, I'm gonna pronounce everybody's names correctly, maybe. I'm just gonna go Yeah, ahead. good luck with that. Yeah, what's the over under? Yeah, what's the over under on that, right? I, I want to know. I want you. Let's take bets right now. Yeah, was, <laughs> I think she, I think she gets uh forty percent of the names right today. Forty uh, yeah. percent. I believe I will get eighty percent of the names right today. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go and be bold and say ninety nine point one percent. Oh wow! Okay, I'm gonna take That's that bet. I'll be That's on the other bad. side of that bet. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna try to give her some grace and say sixty percent, but she want to go to ninety nine point whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I got five on it. I got five on it. That's what's up. Oh my god, that's hilarious! So, Mike, check. Everybody sounding good, real quick. Yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. Okay, everybody. Like your mic is near Jay, or, or is it far, or how do you? What's the setting, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, we're definitely retired. So the pause thing. I know we need to retire the pause thing. You can't say nothing. It's like when you're a kid and you're playing Bluebird and stuff like that. I saw. I think I saw this clip where this. Um, I guess he was a. Uh, he was like a, a, a crip, I guess, I think. No, he's a blood, so he couldn't say words to start with C. Then he's ordering fast food. He's like, you know, I want a bacon sandwich, um, a ice cold, ice bowl, bulk, um, <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> some Bailey cheese fries. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, I was like, man, that's a lot to go through. Uh, so hopefully one day we'll retire the whole pause thing. We can all speak freely. Uh, pause. Now that's not why he was being hazed because that don't make sense. But when you're hazing somebody when they initially join a frat, a sorority, or whatever the case may be, a gang, um, there are some rituals that they have to follow. And so that's not like he was probably being hazed. Gang, I can't imagine, right? Going through life, not being able to use the word C, right? But whatever's clever. If it works for him, and I wish I would have seen this in live in person because I'm that person who was like, what the? But anyways. I, I got, I, I'll get my daughter to, to send me that clip. I'll send it to you. It's funny. It is funny to me. I love uh, the Nick, in answer to you. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Right? right? Yeah. Like, you know, fuck it if they mess up my order. I don't care. I'm going to do this shit right. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you want a bold bulk? Yeah, 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 diet bulk. <laughs> yeah, we better stop. We don't want no issues with nobody. We don't want no issues. No smoke. Wait, right. where's the no where's our disclaimer? This is for entertainment value yeah. only. Please. Yes, it's coming. Yeah, fact, Stay tuned, folks. Yeah. Disclaimer's coming. Yeah, Jay, do you want to say something before no. we get to the disclaimer? So that way, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this, ain't, this isn't red. This is maroon. <laughs> I'm not drawing. I'm not drawing. Burgundy. Small. It's a coincidence. I mean, a coincidence. Thank you. Watch yourself. <laughs> she said a coincidence. It's correct. Let, let's hit this disclaimer real quick. Yeah, before we get ourselves in trouble. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed by us are ours and do not reflect those of our employers, co-workers, family, or friends. While we have conversations about various topics, any mentions of drugs, sex, religion, politics, and the like that offends anyone should be considered satire and for entertainment purposes only. 
and yes, we can get a little toxic. So if you're easily triggered, have unresolved trauma, can't take a joke, or don't enjoy adult conversations, you've been warned. Listener discretion is advised. We hope you enjoy the show. Yes, and any reference, I should, I should add any references to gangs or gang-like activity, you know, as, as this disclaimer is going to be about sometimes. four minutes long. Yeah. That's right. I just, I just happened to be longer than the show. <laughs> the hour. Damn, this nigga's still disclaiming? More of the story. Stamp. Oh God! You know what? No smoke, none. With no absolutely smoke, nobody. nobody. All right, y'all. How y'all I'm doing, man? To... What's happening? What's up? What's up? What's up? Chilling, chilling. Um, I just want to say though, I did check out that uh, Millie. What Millie Vanilli? See, y'all thought I was gonna mess it up. Um, but anyway, uh, kind of did. I, I kind of heard. I kind of heard a little yeah, something. No, 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 no. Got more. You got to get right. <laughs> she was re- she was reenacting the record skip. She was Millie, <laughs> Millie, Millie. I got it. Well, I had so at first I was going to jump into it, but I was like, you know what? We did. Um, Nick, you did mention this, and so uh, I believe we took around watching it because you mentioned it. Look at that influence, Nick. Look yes. at yes, girl. You know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> So what'd you think? What'd you think? <laughs> you know what? I was actually sad because I knew the situation that transpired as far as the Grammy being taken away because of lip singing and whatnot. And um, and then I recalled at some point um, that I think it was Rob who ended up killing himself through a drug overdose. Um, and so I was just like, oh, this is so sad how they ended up turning out. And then now we have folks just walking around. It's, it's like, Par norm to do this. I don't know. I felt bad, and at the same time, I was like, "This is this is horrible." It's like a lesson learned for the early groups, like the TLC. Because I actually watched the TLC documentary too at one point to see how how they ended up where they were and whatnot as well. And it's like those early '80s, '90s group just got screwed over. But mm-hmm. you know, I I feel like there's somebody who got away. Scott Free, who was like at the center of a few people. Most of them didn't have a lot of melanin in their skin, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, uh, what's his name? The 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 the, the producer, Fabian, Farian, whatever. Frank Farian. Farian. Frank Farian. See, SM, I do it too. And um, so. Hey, my he, nightlife's uh, so strong. Yeah, well, I, 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 unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not being counted today. So we'll see. We'll see how I do. Uh, you are 99 cents strong. 99%. Good going. Um, I'm gonna throw you some hard words later. I'm gonna just 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 to you know hedge my bets. So, <laughs> uh, but no. So Frank Fabian got away with, with it. I mean, he uh, according to the documentary, which I thought was very well produced. If you haven't checked it out, you know I I, I always recommend good film to anybody. Uh, I, I think it was worth watching. I think it's you saw another side of him. I think that the music industry, the um, the labels, distribution. I think everybody was in on it, and and everybody used possible deniability to uh, leave Millie Vanilli holding the bag. I think, and uh, I just kind of sad, man. I think they got exploited. I think Frank Fabian, if you watch him, look at his groups before and watch the documentary, you'll see his groups probably before and after Millie Vanilli follow the same pattern. He was like a, a black artist predator. Uh, <laughs> 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 
So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, he, he was really culpable and he got away with it. And that's really sad. And um, it's really sad the effect that it took on Rob. And, and then the last thing that, that I kind of took away from it was they just wanted to be famous, right? They were just ordinary guys, right? Rob worked in McDonald's. He was like, yo, I don't want to go back to McDonald's, right? He wanted to be famous. He was trying. And, and so they lip synced. And now here in 2023, we have people who work at McDonald's who are becoming famous by lip syncing. Mm. Man, they were having a good time. Yeah. I'm glad y'all watched. I'm glad y'all. Go ahead, ahead. My bad. My bad. No, I just want to say, uh, it's probably something you're going to say, so I should have kept it off. But, yo, your boy could sing. The the one that that is still alive, he he can sing. Like, this didn't have to happen. I guess that was my takeaway. It really didn't have to happen. Go ahead, Nick. Um, I was going to say that a little bit. I found myself at the end, I, I, it was a heartwarming ending, so to speak, right? Because the big joke about them was that they couldn't sing. And so at the very end to watch the remaining member of Millie Vanilli actually sing, sing in such a way that he could have sang on that song, right? And legit could have sounded similar, if not better. There were a lot of people I've heard commenting about how his voice was actually kind of better than the original guy's voice. You know what I'm saying? So... But but we got to be honest because obviously that was what forty plus years ago almost if not, and so the biggest challenge for them was that they could not speak English. It, I don't think it was necessarily. Mm-hmm. They, I think that the producer did not want to take the time necessary to develop them as artists. Right? They had a look, and that's really what he wanted. And the look was too black. The, the type of music this white producer from Germany was producing required there to be black faces on the front of that. Right? Even though he was the one that was writing it. Um, producing it, so on and so forth. So he found the singers who didn't have the look, and he found the look that couldn't sing, or at least could not sing in English, and right, and found that marriage. But I think at the very end, watching that brother persevere, um, I don't want to spoil it or anything like that for anybody who hasn't seen it, but the fact that, you know, he sounded really good. It was almost vindication, because there was a point where they got exposed, and they wanted to come out with their own music, right? But that time, at that time, they were laughing stocks. People weren't going to take them seriously. They had been exposed, and so it's almost like I don't know. It's weird. Let me ask y'all a question though, real on, on a real on a real uh, tip. What they did was wrong, but the experience they had had to have been amazing, right? Yes, you want to be if you want to be famous, maybe at all costs. Maybe you're okay with lip syncing. You know what I'm saying? But I really think they did want to sing. But once they got into it with the money and the fame and the girls, I guess my question to y'all is: If somebody came to you and said hey, I'm going to pay you half a million dollars a year to be a professional lip syncer, right? You're going to go on tour. You're going to perform. You're going to dance on stage. We're going to pay you half a million dollars a year to do this, but you can't tell nobody that's what you're doing, right? Because <laughs> I remember some people, I ain't going to mention no names, Jay, the who was amazing at karaoke, right? Getting all the love at karaoke, even though technically, you know, it was still some of the vocals of the original artist, but people still loved the performance. They loved you know, what you did in terms of being on that stage. So Jay, as to them, with y'all for half a million dollars a year, be a professional lip syncer if you just couldn't tell nobody. Let's be honest, y'all. Let me clear my karaoke rep first. Uh, those vocals, <laughs> man, were background <laughs> vocals, okay? Our lead vocals was all me, all right? Ain't no really been any here. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> top flight, I see you. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Legend. Legend, you heard? Legend. Yeah, so so funny too, and I, I, I'm gonna answer your question, but I actually did karaoke uh, at, at my homeboy's um, 
birthday party uh, Friday night, and um, and yo, it was it was nice, man. I you know, got a little ovation and stuff. They took the picture. It's gonna be posted on their site and whatever. Yeah, I did. Can you stand the rain? Right, new edition song. Five people. Your boy, from start to finish. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get the clip and play it, man. Y'all can tell me what you think. But now, would I lip sync? Uh, yeah, heck yeah, I would. But I'd be smart about it, yo. I would also produce additional music under a different name, just to cover the rep and be like, yo, I can do this thing. So when it comes out, doesn't matter how you feel about it, right? Because there's no law against doing that. That's what they should have done. Yeah. Mm. So if you want to, if you, if, if, yeah, I'd do it. I'd find a way to do it, but I'd take the money, yo. Take the money. What do you think, Esmeralda? Uh, I will for sure take the money. And if you know me, I am tone deaf. So there's no way in hell I will be sending out another uh, producing any additional music. I will have to lip sync. <laughs> and so I think RuPaul Drag Race um, pays folks. Um, they're basically lip singing too. Like all the drag queens are lip singing and whatnot. And they've made professional careers off of just lip singing. So hell yeah, I will take a half a million to lip sync. <laughs> I heard it's raining men was one of their favorite songs to lip sync. Never mind. <laughs> I'm so, or I'm coming out. I, I think it was uh, definitely I'm coming out. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> I always wondered about that part of the song, right? <laughs> I'm coming. Speaking of coming out, can I go ahead and do this little quick transition to, to start to to the to the motivation and the intro of the show or no? Because yes, we ain't talking about our week. Let's we spend all this time talking about Millie Millie, huh? Right, right. <laughs> Forget our week, girl. <laughs> Fuck your week, motivation. <laughs> 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 all right, y'all. I'm gonna go ahead and play this thing because that's when they was ready to get the show started. In case no one has told you today, you are needed. You may not always realize it, but the impact you have on others is immeasurable. Your presence in this world is important, and the people around you know it. You have a way of making others feel valued and heard, and that is a very rare gift in today's time. Yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> it yeah, took me a second, but you know, we finally got the show started, y'all. What's happening? We in the building. Yeah, I just felt it was appropriate because we're talking about influencing. Nick, you influence something. We're trying to influence other people to check out the doc. And so this clip, Motivational Week, was this for this week was all about influencing and you mattering mm-hmm. as a person and your influence mm-hmm. on other people. That's all I'm saying. It's like, dang, this is a perfect segue into that. That's I want to thank you for that, SM. You know, you know it's clear that you were thinking of me when you found this clip. And honestly, just the love, the outpour is just amazing. I want you to know that I see you. I received that. I will accept the way you phrase that. <laughs> yeah. Since especially this was all about lessons learned this past week of how to do some um some posting Instagram social media. It's a lot of lessons learned last week. You know, it's like hard, <laughs> no, no, hard work. No, 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 you're not. 
So we, we gonna let I know you're not go. trying to go. We're no, I know go. you are not trying to go back and talk about your week after you made us skip our discussion of what we did this week, no, right? So you I can go to motivation. On. I was adding She's on. She's just adding on. That's all. Okay. I was adding right. context. That's all. <laughs> my you know, my week, I, something about my week will come up just coincidentally later on in the show, too. I, I work with you. Don't worry about it. It's all good. I'm like the shade that you ain't worked that in properly right now. That's all. <laughs> you know, it's just a, just a to pivot, you know, go with the flow of pivot. Oh, Lord. Is this oh, your I'm moment? Not hating. Go ahead and go ahead. This your moment. I, I I'm congratulating. You know, <laughs> you want to come back to it? Okay. You sure? Because I sure. would love sure. to talk about somebody else. Who had apparently coming out moment, some influencing. Oh, yeah, talk about talk. It. <laughs> so, so I just wanted to follow up. Okay. Oof, let's get serious. Okay. So um the, so somebody else who's been having a horrible week, or not necessarily a horrible week, but a lesson learned week, a hard week. And we talked about last week, as a matter of fact, that's Joe Smith. And, you know, it's like things just keep coming out about Joe Smith and his wife. And I feel kind of bad because I recognize that I've been calling her Joe Smith wife versus giving her own name and identity. Right. And I was like, wait, was that was, you know, was I doing some biasness there because I was calling her Joe Smith wife because that was the name brand versus Keisha Chavez. See, I said it slow, so I don't mess names up. Look at that. Look at that. I'm, I'm being diligent. And so, but anyway, so it came out that, you know, after everybody realized that she wanted to be a reality star, Joe has been fending off questions pertaining to was this a publicity stunt? In addition to the fact that his wife has now announced that she actually created an OnlyFans page for him too, which by the way, I won't lie. I was like, wait, where is this OnlyFans page? But I'm sure he made her take it down because she claimed there's only one video posted of them together. Um, and I'm like, what about that privacy in there? But anyways, besides all of that, she also acknowledged that once again, Joe was jobless and broke. And so <laughs> she keep putting it out there for Joe, who is a private person. And at this point, I'm just like, why don't you just go ahead and go on, what is it, Love and Basketball, The Broke Addiction, or maybe perhaps- All the same, The <laughs> Broke Addiction, but, and it's know, Basketball Wives, for the Love, Love and Basketball is a movie, I see. I know, it's, it's, it's Love and Hip Hop, technically, that <laughs> I was thinking of, and then I was also thinking about Basketball Wives, but whatever the case may be, because she obviously <laughs> loved him to stay with him, right? Because basketball-wise, not everybody was still with their significant, um, at least not the last time I saw the show. So and that's basketball been a wives, and not basketball ex-wives. Real Housewives of Atlanta is also called Real Housewives. And there's a, a whole lot of girlfriends on there versus wives. So, but anyways, maybe they could do Where Are They Now? Like, I know they're mm. always popping up episodes for that. And that could be a money grab for them, too, besides taking this route. But, Nick, what's your thoughts on this? Well, no, the only reason why I really wanted to talk about this, right, because after we did the story last week, I saw an interview with her on Cameron, right? And Cameron was hilarious in the interview. He was, I kind of feel like low-key, I might have came across the way that Cameron did, but I was like, is he being professional? Would I actually do that? I, I would not, most likely, because I'm married. But the interview that he had with her, she had this, like, lingerie-looking outfit or whatever. Her cleavage was out or whatever. She actually looked 
pretty okay in that video. When I first saw the first video, I was like, ain't nobody trying to see auntie, you know what I'm saying, out here slagging her wares. <laughs> but eventually, I was like, hmm. Okay, and homeboy was like, hey, I hate to compliment. I don't want to. He was complimenting the shit out of her cleavage. Um, and I might have done the same thing. Even talked about her. I guess she does a body scrubbing, which I'm like, oh, wow. And she was like, you know, she would fly to him. Okay, to do a body scrub rub for it. It was entertaining to say the least. But while I was watching it, it just reminded me that the respect that she has for Joe has clearly dissipated. Um, and I just wished them well, you know what I mean? I hope they get everything they want out of this life, but my heart was breaking a little bit for Joe because I cannot imagine, even with everything that they went through that she, at this point, not only would you just put yourself out there to even be disrespected by another man. Think about that, right? The way that it came across, it was like, yo, it's one thing you're doing to OnlyFans. Okay, cool. But you're on these interviews showing your cleavage and letting a man flirt with you like on television, like you ain't check camera, like yo, bro, I appreciate whatever, but this ain't that. Like she didn't, she did none of that. In fact, I don't know if she was just uncomfortable, but uh it was just doing too much, man. But I wish them, hey, thoughts and prayers for Joe Johns, uh Joe Smith and Joe Johnson. You think about that OnlyFans too page she might have created. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a- Look at SM with the pause jokes. Okay, Queen, I see you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> just know it's on. Okay. For the I, I was just saying this. The episode, it is on. Okay. I was just saying this then. She still believed that they will persevere through this, that they will still be married. And because she felt like she held him down through everything that he was going through, and he should be able to hold it down and still be with her for even through this. And to be honest, she could have just been embarrassed or maybe she's still readjusting to the amount of attention that she's going to receive that may be sexual in nature. And but I'm kind of feel like she's used to that. But at the end of the day, she believed that their marriage will persevere. She believed that Joe's going to hold it down and she's doing what she needs to do. If I was Joe, the only way I'd be holding it down is her underwater. But with that being said, <laughs> we can move on to our next quick take. <laughs> How do you like that for OnlyFans? Huh? I thought you said you like me choked, huh? <laughs> Not so good to be on Disclaimer. the other side. Now. <laughs> Disclaimer. 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 Can we run that again? <laughs> run that again. Oh, but I was gonna do a joke, and I was like, "I better not." That's not. Yeah, probably not. It was probably not the best time. Um, speaking about relationships, you know, that are kind of in turmoil, so to speak, right? So you guys know that Jeezy is going through a divorce. Um, he got a chance to sit down with Nia Long. It was a really good conversation, really intimate conversation. Nia was looking kind of good, so I ain't even gonna hold you. Hey, Nia, if you're watching, girl, you did your thing. But anyways, um, so they had a really good conversation on both sides in regards to his relationship. Obviously, Nia was in the news or kind of in the news recently because her uh, ex-longtime boyfriend, Ime Doka, I believe his name was, got caught out there, you know, dipping his hand in a cookie jar with the Boston Celtics. And so it was a really good conversation. I do have a quick clip that I want to play. Um, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. I can only be responsible for myself. True. You know, and I can only do um, what I could do, right? And right. I can't expect someone else to do what I'm doing. But did you go to therapy with her? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Right. So you actually addressed it, right. tried to work through it, mm-hmm. tried to do the work, mm-hmm. and it just was like not happening. Well then
but you tried. There was another clip where I guess it was Nia talking about, I guess, how old boy cheated. And, um, you know, Jeezy was like, black men don't cheat. So, Jay, you know, obviously I didn't play a second clip. I'm not sure which one you want to talk on. But, you know, you heard what he had to say in regards to the whole therapy thing. Um, and, you know, the clip I'm speaking of in regards to black men don't cheat. What are your thoughts real quick on the, the Jeezy and Nia conversation? Uh, so first, you know, my first question was why? Uh, then I realized he did just release an album, so the timing is a bit convenient. Um, even the title of the album, I, you know, I'll forgive, but I won't forget, or something like that. You know what I mean? Kind of goes with what's going on right now. So mm-hmm. uh, part of me looks at this like, is this publicity, right? Uh, and in the, in the spirit of is this publicity, I wonder how much of this is him like doing damage control on his image, ingratiating himself back to black women. You know what I'm saying? Now that he popped over to the other, to, to a different group of uh, people to a different ethnicity, you know, sometimes black women are like, oh, no, you don't like us no more. So this is his way, maybe a way of him easing his way back in. That being said, uh, his statement that black men don't cheat, I love that, man. I wish it was true. But, uh, you know know what I'm saying? Uh, That's good marketing, but that's not really, you know, if you actually uh, try the product, uh, sometimes black men do cheat. Um, uh, I'm not going to say, you know, I will say this. I will say that, uh, before I was married, okay. I cheated on every single girlfriend I had. Oh yeah. So if you're just not finding out and I dated you before, I apologize. Um, but, um, (laughs) oh, well, (laughs) what are the bridge, man? I'm years ago. Get over it, girl. (laughs) Spill milk. Spill milk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't gonna work out. We broke up. No. Uh, so um, yeah. So now I, I, you know, I, I like that though. I hope that one day it can be true that there is something about the collective character of black men in our culture that we hold to our vows, our, you know, our marriage vows, and that we uh, we sort it out. And when we can't sort it out, then we piece it out. You know. So I'd like for that to be continue to be said. Uh, I just hope we live up to it. Yes. Listen, listen. It's not cheating if she knows about it, number one. Uh, so maybe sometimes we got to just be a little bit more open with our heart's desires. But the part that really stuck out to me, though, about this clip was the therapy conversation. Let me translate to you what Jeezy was basically saying. I went to therapy. I did the healing. That beep didn't do no work. That beep didn't really change anything. And at some point in time, I had to chuck the deuces for my own sanity. Like low-key, that's what was being said, right? And kudos to Jeezy. And and this is where I got to give Black men credit too, right? Because some of us are actually doing the work when it comes to mental health, when it comes to emotional intelligence. When you hear Jeezy talk, he sounds like an emotionally intelligent brother who obviously, you know, has done the work, is continuing to do the work. I do agree with you kind of, Jay, about this being a rollout, but I do have a little bit of pushback because part of Jeezy's grown man rebranding, even including Mary and Jeannie Ma, was his growth, right? From being a trap star or a rapper that talked about hustling to really kind of being about his business. So this has been an evolution for Jeezy in regards to his personal growth. So while I do agree it is a rollout, this album, this clip that we saw, but it was a really intimate conversation. It seemed authentic and fluid. So kudos to him and kudos to all the brothers out there who are willing to do the work necessary, even in light of a divorce. One of the things he talked about was never wanting to fail. I can't imagine that any man who goes into a marriage, um, obviously with the best intentions and then having to realize that it failed. I can imagine that he did do the, the work necessary, but I hearken back to that clip that I saw of Jeannie Ma 
her talking about some of the issues, the anger issues that she has, some of the things that she probably has done in the past. And so, sis, if you're watching, you know, we want growth for you too. You know, there's happiness for you as well, but it does require us all to do the inner work. You dig what I'm saying? So kudos for Jeezy. Uh, kudos to Nia Long. It was a great conversation. Would love to have a conversation with Nia. You know what I'm saying? I get my camera on. on. But uh, with that being said, Van Jay, what's the next one? Yeah, so that being said, I turned attention to someone I would never want to have a conversation with, and that's uh, Doja Cat. Yeah, man, Doja Cat can lick the crack up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so, let me get alone. Yeah, no, because I, <laughs> I, I realized, like, like, would that make us friends? Anyway, no. So, <laughs> okay, I'm off. I'm out. I'm, I'm all off now. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, Doja's in in the news. Uh, turns out, not too many uh, days ago, she was posting a uh, image of her in a car. She had a T-shirt. Emblazoned on her T-shirt was the image of Sam Hyde. If you don't know Sam Hyde, he is a alt-right, which is code new speak for um, Nazi, neo-Nazi. Uh, I'm racist this Aryan, you know, brotherhood kind of per person or whatever, uh, brandishing a assault rifle, right? And that was on her T-shirt. And of course, her fans are like, yo, why, why are you repping this guy? So she takes that clip, she takes that image down, she reposts another one uh, that is cropped, so you can't see what's on her shirt. But this is kind of a, a another in a series of very questionable things that she's done in the course of her, like, public career that really make you wonder where her head is, right? Like there have been reports for her being in um, neo-Nazi uh, chat, video chat rooms, um, just asking people to call her um, the N-word for you know race play or whatever. And all this is a legend or whatever, because you know, this video, once it's there, if you were there, you saw it. If you weren't in the chat room, then you might've missed it. So um, there's that, there's her doing a song called Didn't Do Nothing. Right. Uh, if you don't know, didn't do nothing is a slang that uh, white people sometimes use for black people. Because when black people are accosted by the police, one of the things black people say, rightly so, is I didn't do nothing. Right. Um, now, I got to tell you, as an educator, I personally have heard I did do nothing a lot, in the, you know, in classrooms, too. Uh, and sometimes people do do something when they say it did nothing. But I, it, it seems like aside from the music that she produces, which I assume is for uh, black people, or, or you know, it, she's, she's had some collaborations with some no, notable black art, uh, artists or whatever. But um, I don't know, I, I feel like she, she's painted herself as, well, you know, I'm gonna get all, all my soapbox. So let me see my two piece, now I get past on SNM. I feel like he painted, she painted herself as a, as a ally to black people, but I feel like her actions show that her mind may be somewhere else. What do you think? No, I think it's um it's valid because I'm confused myself. So first of all, she's biracial. And so um, I'm not quite sure she comes. Her father is African. As a matter of fact, um, apparently has his lineage goes back to the Zulu tribe. Right. And so to me, well, let me not make that statement, but um, air <laughs> chucker. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that, but I was like, you can't end in the Zulu tribe was what I was going to say. But, so, you know, and but but it would have been doing a disservice to all the other tribes out there. And so that's why I was going to hold back. Um, but with that being said, 
it confuses me because the other half of her, of course, is apparently white Jewish um, and then the African, right? And so to me, is she self-hating? Like, what is it about herself that and her lineage, her African lineage, that she hates so much that she will rather be a neo-Nazi sympathizer is what it boils down to. How can you sympathize with a group of people who want to eradicate a half half of your lineage, half of who you are? And if that's the case, does that cause some confusion? Um, I don't know what that was. Was was that like a, a keynote for me to not say certain words? Like what's going on? No, I got triggered. I got oh. triggered. I was like, no, not, not half of her lineage. They hate black people and Jewish people equally. Oh, that's so true. So they hate that's all of her lineage. Right? Yeah. So, so I mean, true. So she just a self-hating <laughs> woman walking around. <laughs> I forgot about the fact that they hate Jewish people too. <laughs> so it's, and I find it so amazing because like, how can you be a sympathizer unless you just hate yourself? You must hate looking in the reflection in the mirror every single day that you're willing to. And even if you're just doing it for shits and giggles, why would this be something that gets you off? I doubt she's doing it for shits and giggles, by the way. But why would this be something that would get you off? More importantly, why are you alienating the people who got you where you were and where you are? So she is a hip hop. She's considered hip hop, pop. Um, as well as it was something else. I can't remember what it was, but mostly it's hip hop. And it's like, so you're literally going against a community that supports you in an all shape, way or form, even if you're doing pop. I don't know. I don't understand it. At the end of the day, Doja Cat is, uh, hmm, is well on her way to being canceled. And then when she get canceled, we're going to fire her with her head shaved again complaining and crying about she's been ostracized and she's been let out. Her fans don't love her. Well, look, woman, you've done everything possible to alienate yourself, to ostracize yourself, and to make sure your fans don't love you unless those fans are neo-Nazis and neo-Nazi sympathizers. So kudos to you. Job well done. As far as I'm concerned, you can go kick rocks and may you find peace while you're kicking rocks. So. Until she does a remix with Kanye, she'll be right back at it. <laughs> oh, so, I don't even want to put them in the same boat because he actually has some. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't use the word boat, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> and whatnot. But whatever. <laughs> you made you know a good what? point, Snm. I, I think she does have a lot of self hate. Uh, I think she kind of hates herself. I think she hates her fans. Um, you know, the fans took to call themselves kittens, right? Doja Cat, they're kittens. You know, everybody got a fan group. You know, Taylor Swift got the Swifties. Beyonce got the Beehive. Everybody got a group, right? Well, so her kittens got, they were like, yo, we love you. Da, da, da. Like, do you love us? She's like, no, nah, I don't love y'all. I don't know y'all. And uh, that was like her reply to them on social media. She also clowned them for calling themselves kittens. She's like, I think it's a dumb name. Like, what are you doing? It is. So I... It is a dumb name. Yeah, well, yeah. the kittens should be the swastikas. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <The swastikas. laughs> See how she likes that. <laughs> the kittens, which one, Mama? More fitting. <laughs> that would be more fitting. So I, I, I don't know. She seems like somebody who, um, on one hand, I applaud her if she's being true to who she is. You know, that's great. On the other hand, I'm like, if you don't really, if you don't mess with us like that, then don't mess with us like that, right? Go do something else. Go down the street, like you said, kick, kick rocks, right? Hopefully, one of them bounces back and hits you in the head. Yes, ma'am, I'm done. You go ahead. <laughs> 
Uh, once again, the disclaimer, we do not condone violence of any shape, way, or form <laughs> on this podcast. This is oh, for entertainment purposes. Oh, no. and- <laughs> that is claim is going to be three minutes long. Any mentions of violence, drugs, sex, you know, we we got it's gonna be about 30 minutes long soon enough. But go ahead, SM. So uh speaking of somebody else who can kick rocks, I'm gonna go ahead and mm. kick on rocks to Tim Scott. For those who don't know Tim Scott, the man who claimed that racism does not does not exist in America. America has moved past the racist climate or whatever. So as you may or may not be aware of, he is one of the congressional candidates for the president. And so the president And so he recently was under fire since this entire campaign started for not having a girlfriend or a wife, because as you know, most of the presidents have a wife. They have a family. And it has been a standing tradition. I believe the last president who was not married was 139 years ago. And so he's been getting a lot of flack on his campaign trail in regards to him not having at least a girlfriend or having a wife. And so he recently touted out his wife. I mean, oops, sorry, his girlfriend of supposedly a year. And of course, her name. Here we go with the names again. Mindy Noyce. And so, <laughs> see how I'm saying it slow? Because I'm like, <laughs> if I say it slow, it gives me more time to process that name to make sure I'm saying it correctly. But anyways, and um, I'm just interested in hearing your thoughts because there are several things that was made clear when he brought her on stage. I have a couple questions that I would like to ask. I may or may not ask them because they may once again cause need for disclaimer. And so... <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on real quick. I got a quick question for you. SNM, you said the last president that was not married was how long ago? 139 years ago. Hold on. So so what's your boy's name? John F. Kennedy was married when he got into office? Yeah. Um, he just cheated with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, so he was... Okay, right. He was married to Jacqueline Onassis, but he just was out there running the streets like he wasn't married. I right. gotcha. Right, right. Um, so no, I, listen, I want to jump on this. Pause. Uh <laughs> <laughs> We should probably put a pause in the disclaimer too. <laughs> like any references. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but no, the reason why I want to talk about this, uh, definitely this interested me was because honestly, I saw myself running for president one day as a Republican, believe it or not. Um, in fact, I still see myself doing so one day, right? Um, which might sound a little weird, but I mean Republican in the sense of Lincoln or in the sense of MLK, right? Not this new iteration, this new batch of Republicans, right? Because it's just trash. It's it's really trash, including Tim Scott. You know, I, you know, we we talked about supporting black businesses, and I think by and large we want to try to support black people. Um, I forgot who said it was like I support everybody that's black, right? But people like him, Clarence Thomas. Um, they make it very difficult as a black person who's conscious enough, who's aware enough of what we've gone through in this country to support them niggas. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we trade them? You know what I'm saying? I, I would take Pete Buttigieg for a Tim Scott. You know what I mean? Like, whatever we can trade because, bro, like, he is, to me, an embarrassment. I don't. The fact that he even thinks that he has a shot to even become president is, like, how delusional that he has to be, right? And then you don't have a girlfriend or no public person, and all of a sudden you pop up with this white lady... I mean, she couldn't even have been a sister. If you're going to have a political beard, you couldn't have hired something that, you know, that was more in line with the code. Because I honestly, one of the reasons why 
I think I could run for president as a Republican is because I do, you can have traditional values. I think we've gotten into a space where it's very polarized. But when you talk about, let's say, fiscal responsibility, small government, when you talk about like maybe a certain level of religious or faith-based mindset, um, having more freedoms and so on and so forth, there's a lot of, and being conservative, there's a lot of ways that I think us as black people still have those um, within us. But the problem is, is that when we see representatives from Trump to Tim Scott, it's like, I mean, I get the whole Trump thing. It's a whole wave. But Tim Scott, like, who is going to resonate with him? Right. Like for you to denounce or to act like racism no longer exists or whatever, maybe because you've made a couple of moves, it's asinine. It's asinine through 20. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, whatever tactics that he's trying to do to, to find himself to gain some um, popularity, it's just not going to work. Because also, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't I think white voters. So, for example, when Barack was running, he was married to a black woman. I think there's still a level of non-race mixing that I think even if somebody's willing to vote for you, they would do so knowing that you're with your own kind of a thing, right? Even for the fact that he thought getting that white woman was a good look told me that he was not astute enough to even be running, let alone to become president. And he just needs to sit his ass down. And he's an embarrassment, in my humble opinion, not only to just black men, black people, uh, people in positions of leadership, but uh, Republicans as well. And um, it's a sad, sad state that they would trot these guys out just to say, oh, look how diverse we are. When in truth, he's just black and face only. You know what I'm saying? And he's an embarrassment. He needs to sit his ass down. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's funny. Like, I feel like the, like the ghost of, of, of Dave Chappelle is somehow like on this <laughs> podcast with us, right? Because uh, Doja Cat was giving me like Clayton Bixby vibes. And then you got this guy here who is clearly like uh, someone that the black delegation would love to trade. Uh, uh, we would love to <laughs> swap him out, as Nick was saying, right? But even more so, besides the fact that he's completely out of touch, right? He's out of touch with what's going on in America. He's out of touch with um, what uh, what the all, all the situations. I mean, I, I can't even take the time to delineate them. You know, he's just out of touch. But what really struck me was how obviously sus this whole thing was. He brings this woman out. He's like, yo, y'all been asking about a girlfriend. And he had not spoken anything about this woman before. He'd been really quiet. And he's like, yo, this is my girlfriend. See, I got one. He's like that guy at school who's got a long distance girlfriend. He's always talking about, right? And nobody's ever heard of her. Right? And they're like, dude, you ain't got no girl. You ain't got a girl. You're like, you're Man, like, so he so he brings her out and they they, they like do this this dog and pony show i'm not well anyway i'm learning well, who's the dog and who's the pony never say, mind <laughs> yeah I was gonna, he, he's the dog <laughs> thanks man. appreciate that alley dunk thank you sir all right so <laughs> so he brings her out, and, and when, they, when they ask him about her, he's like, yo, I got a girlfriend. They're like, asked about her. He's like, yo, you know, we met. We had a lot in common. He's like, she was there at my very first rally, right? So what he did was he went and found a supporter, okay? Planner, ready? Get to play oh, his never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he said, play your big eyes. All right, so... He goes, and get, he goes and gets his chick. And when they ask him about the relationship, his response is it, it's, it's so telling to me. Because he goes, well, we both love the Lord. 
and we respect each other. And I got to tell you, we have fun together. Really? Yo, what kind of description is that for the chick that you like? You you love the Lord, and that's beautiful, right? Which is also a plug for you to get the Christian vote, whatever. All right? But then you go, and we respect each other. Something again is right. You love the Lord, who you've never met, but I know he's been instrumental in your life. I bless you. All that's good. But you only respect your girlfriend. You don't love her. You just respect her. You didn't even say you liked her. Right. All we know is you just respect her. Gosh, we have fun together. So I mean, the whole thing is cornball, man. He's cornball. Girlfriend, she seems like a nice lady. I hear she's like an interior designer, decorator or something. She's got kids and stuff. So, all right, okay. One time for picking up the single moms out there. Too bad you couldn't have made it a sister because it's not like they need your support. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Scott is, is, is a wash, man. He's a wash. He's like if Beavis and Budhead had got together and decided to run for something. He looks like the guy from, he looks like Budhead, I think. I'm going to go back and check the video. Anyway, what do, what do you think of this now? You're talking about it, the teeth, right? I know it's the yeah. teeth. Yeah. Okay. So we're <laughs> oh not going to count folks on physical attributes, right? We're not going to avoid that. You know, I kind of can do a little low key. But look, uh, I can't tell when he's smiling. I'm like, you smiling now? You smiling at me? I, I, I mean, so, in all seriousness, no, okay, I'm not going to be serious. Let's let me just go ahead and, uh, and say this. For one, I agree with both your points, right? I I 100% did not understand how he just pulled this woman out of the blue. He claimed they've been dating for a year, which actually coincides when most folks kick off the campaign to run for. <laughs> and um, when they describe her, when they when the reporters ask him about it, he's like, "Oh, she's a lovely Christian lady," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like even the way his 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 descriptions of her, the way he described her, the, the inflections, none of it's there. And so I got to say it's a political beer, but it made me think of some comedians who talked about when a black man get with a white woman, their credit score go up. So my question is, did he think his credit score went up with the, his uh, potential constituents when he got with this woman? Like, was there a credit score value attached or like attached to his uh, value as a Republican candidate because he pulled out this girlfriend now, but not only a girlfriend, but a white girlfriend. And so I just had all these jokes running through my head about how. Um, and so, Nick, when you talked about being a Republican, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I operate independent, um, although the independents have been kind of hijacked by like some tea partiers and so forth. But whatever the case may be. The the thing is, one of my things I was going to say earlier was that, you know what, is it a requirement for a Republican candidate that's black to pull out a white person? <laughs> like, is no. that a requirement? But then when you pointed out that you would have ran as a Republican and you have a black wife, I said, you know what? See, that I can see because in the black community, we actually do have a lot of conservative values. It's just that within and conservative traditions and so forth, it just so happens that the current representation of Republicans just don't match um, because they have a tendency to be anti-black. So to me, Tim Scott pulling out his political beard was another version of him being anti-black, let's be honest, and stewing in his anti-blackness. And then just as a little tidbit, I thought it was entertaining that the news, when they talked about his um, girlfriend, they made a point to pull out the fact that he was a 30-year-old virgin at one point and now is no longer considering abstinence 
and, and before marriage. And so it speaks to his lack of Hold on, did I, like, did I hear that correctly? Huh? Yes. So you're saying he's still a virgin? Well, so the newspaper that interviewed him in his hometown stated that, you know, he took pride because he loves the Lord. And mm-hmm. he took pride in following this particular vow. And so he was practicing abstinence. And um, so he was a 30-year-old virgin for the longest. But now he's no longer as strict adherence to that claim. So maybe he don't got a sister because he ain't got no experience. I don't know. Uh, maybe this was something where, because um, I don't know. I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to be quiet because then there'll be more disclaimers. So let me clarify a couple of things real quick before I. So number one, I'm not uh, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. So I want to make that clear. Um, I'm probably an independent in the sense that I'm an independent thinker. I don't really align with any political party. However, if I were to run for president, I feel like the best uh, path for me would be as a Republican, because like I said, I think there needs to be a bridging of the gap between, I think, especially black people in our conservative nature. And this this the left side, right? There's there's a chasm there. I think we only support them because we ain't got nowhere else to go. There's been a lot of complaints in regards to whether or not the Democrats have tended to our needs and stuff like that, right? I think we have to think a little bit differently in terms of how we play this political game. And I just kind of feel like there would be a great opportunity for a strikingly handsome, articulate black man who's married to a black woman who has strong conservative values and who can articulate himself in the way that Barack Obama did that. So that's how I envisioned, like, I I felt like I could be like the Republican Barack Obama. Tim Scott, on the other hand, absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? He is the wackest of whack juice. You know, he's like whack juice in a, in a, on tap, meaning it's unlimited supply of whackness. I'm not surprised that he was a virgin for a very long time. Apparently the Lord did not see fit to bless him with some coochie Um, or, or good teeth or, or personality or charisma or good looks um, or political sense. So, you know, I mean, Jay, did you want to get on just before we move Why on? Why did he get in? Because he didn't get nothing when he came out of there. Uh, <laughs> Lord, I'm so bereft. He gave him height. He got height. And we talking about he got physical height. Athletes, he got How height. How tall is he? How tall is he? I don't even know. But he okay. kind of taller. Oh, he towers over the and other candidates. Yeah. It just might be short. I, think he's over <laughs> I don't even know, to be honest. I didn't go that far in detail. I just know that it screwed his policies. And the fact that he was one of the main people who stopped the George Floyd um, crime bill, right? Like he gutted everything when they try to work on that. So he's just an obstacle. Doof. So, a quick answer to your question about yeah, doof. And quick answer to your question about uh, whether or not this helps him or gives him some extra social credit. I think it works against him. I think that the part of the um, of the Republican base that he could not engage as a black man who was carrying their flag or whatever is not going to be moved by the fact that he's now dating a white woman. I'm pretty sure that flies in the face of their reactionary, conservative, let's take it back to the old days, white t-shirts and khakis, torches, you know what I'm saying, red mega hat reality. Um, those people don't want to see him with a white lady, even if she, you know what I'm saying, even if he got, about to say, even if he got one of his unattractive players, I'm just like, that's, that's not nice. They shooting. I'm sorry. Oh, made you look. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in my toxic bag today for a little bit because there's a lot going on. Anyway, but long story short, no, SM, I think this works against him. I think he was pandering 
And I think he 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 doesn't have a lot. I don't, I don't think he's very smart. I think that he would have been better off. He'd been better off getting a black woman because at least then he could have sold the narrative that he was going to be able to win more black people over to the Republican way of thinking. As it, as it stands now, he brings nothing to the table other than himself. And we see what that's yeah. what up. Uh, yeah, way. Nick. Uh, 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 I'm done with this guy, Nick. I'm done, yeah, I'm done with this done guy. With I'm done with it. You know what? Speaking of pretender relationships, I'm, I'm kidding. It broke my heart to hear that America's favorite couple, Lori Harvey and Damson Idris, are no more. It just, it really, I was so invested in this relationship because after Lori broke up with Michael B. Jordan and they released like a joint statement, I was like, girl, you gonna find love? And then she found Damson and I was like, oh my God, it's such a cute couple. They go together and everything. They were so cute and authentic in their pictures. And then to find out, hold on, y'all, hold on. And then to find out that their relationship is no more, I am heartbroken. I'm going to play this clip. I'm going to try to grab you some tissue while I play it. But let's just watch this clip. It's over for Lori Harvey and Damson Idris. The model and Snowfall star confirmed they have called it quits on their romance after one year in a joint statement to The Hollywood Reporter November 7th. The pair say we are at a point in our lives where our individual paths require our full attention and dedication. We part ways remaining friends with nothing but love and respect for each other and the time we shared together. Hold on, y'all. Listen, I'm more like get myself together. What do you guys think about this breakup between Lori and Damson? So first, I just want to know, are you shedding tears because you about to shoot your shot or you want to shoot your shot or... You know, I'm just I'm trying to look tears for I'm a married man, that's enough. I know. That's why I'm like, why are you shooting tears for this relationship? I got you, man. I'm going to get to it, but go ahead. I'm going to speak to it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I was just like, aww, aww. And then, um, I just, you know, we, we always talk about black love. That is true. That is this true. This was like an epitome of black love. And now it's no more. An epitome. I don't know about epitome, but it was black love and it lasted a year. So I think she's on track with, um, keeping at least a minimum year time in these relationships. So, um, how long the contract was, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't think I, I saw no black love here. I saw contractual arrangement to raise both of their profiles and give them a story that they could rock for a year. Um, I, uh, frankly, I don't even, she's, she's very pretty girl. She's very attractive. I give her that. Other than that, I don't see what all the fuss is about. She reminds me of like a black Kim Kardashian. She's famous for being famous or for who, or for dating famous people. Like when did they become a special talent and gift? I mean, I, I you know, I guess it, if, if the, if the focus is on chasing the bag, Right. Then I guess dating famous people is a, is a talent. But is that really where we're trying to go in our society? Um, I, I lost track of who she was dating. I really stopped caring. I don't even know. Like, I, I don't I don't know why I should care about what she does with her life. I don't know what she brings to the community. I don't know what she brings to society other than looking good. And there are a lot of women that Instagram tell it. They look good. So I, that's enough. I don't get it. I, everybody's oh my God, Larry. I, I don't know. Um, so I, she'll find somebody else. They'll, it'll be a story. Somehow people will find a way to care. I don't really care. But uh, Lori, if you're listening, my wife is um, she's a really lovely woman. She's beautiful. I'm sure you two would get along. So call me baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that the Dodie Boy coming back? Boys. Is that the Dodie Boy? It wasn't good. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will just I for the women, uh, one of the things that came up in this, uh, as it pertains to Lori, is the fact that apparently they feel like she moves like a dude and they take pride in that. Like they're clapping her for it. I don't know why it's considered moving like a guy. I think it's just dating. She's just dating. And I'm not quite sure why there's so much investment in who she dates, why she dates, when they break up. I don't know if it's because um, she's dating and that's what you're supposed to do as a young person which is to date and um versus putting these unrealistic expectations on her having long-term relationships um i don't know what it is and is i find it fascinating that on one hand she's dating and regardless she gets criticized if she's dating told she's moving like a guy and i'm like what exactly is moving like a guy i know we talked about this before about the double standards and so forth but at the end of the day she's still just dating so let this woman date. Let this woman be. And, you know, I'm sorry to hear that they broke up. But then at the same time, I don't I'm not really sorry because I wasn't invested. It just seems like something I should say. Mm. No, I agree with that. Listen, I was kind of joking a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's weird because we're in a very cynical place. Right. Whether it's relationships or skits, videos that we see, like I don't think we're we're starting not to believe anything that we're seeing, which is maybe a good thing, but also maybe a bad thing, right? Because we're becoming very cynical in regards to, oh, this got to be a setup. I mean, I probably agree. I think it's a 50-50 chance that it probably is like something done for PR. But at some point, though, like you want to have real relationships, right? So she was just with Michael B. She's with um, Danson. Is, is it just a matter of just playing to the cameras or are you not really looking for love? You know what I mean? Are you looking for companionship? I mean, I know she's still relatively young. But I think we also somewhat advocate people find a love a little bit younger, right? Because at some point in time, you're not going to continue to be as young. You're going to grow. And eventually, you know, hopefully you will find somebody that you can kind of build with. So um, I always think like the whole joint press, uh, you know, release of like, hey, you know, we're both still love each other, but we're focusing on our different careers. And I'm like, isn't that what y'all been doing? Like, first of all, Damson was doing um, his show. He ain't working right now. He probably got some time for a relationship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, and speaking of work, what exactly does she do? She takes some pictures, you know, say post on Instagram. Like, what's her job? What's her job title? She's, she's. I'm too busy focusing on my career, girl. What career? <laughs> dating rich guy. That's what I'm about to say, Jay. Part of your career now includes professionally dating famous men. So, girl, this is right on track for your career. Uh, maybe she felt like his star did not continue to elevate and rise, so she pulled uh, uh, <laughs> she was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Deuces. It was nice. <laughs> elevate your profile. Holla at me. But, uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, well, the Keisha Chavis. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to start her OnlyFans. Oh, but no, wow. Not thrown in. Yeah, but no, I listen, I wish them both well. I like Damson. I think he's an incredible actor. I loved him on Snowfall. Um, Lori Harvey's cute, you know what I mean? But to your point, there's a bunch of Lori Harvey's on the internet or whatever. We get fixated um, by some of these uh, celebrities and so on and so forth. So I wish them nothing but the best. These are all jokes, of course. Um, but I, I would at least, uh, we just really got to think about how cynical we become where we don't believe pretty much anything that we see anymore. So that's I'm going to leave it there. Mm, all right. Well, speaking of seeing is believing, um, Kiki Palmer has seen enough of Darius's behavior, and she has decided that, to call it quits after uh, being together for two years. She's saying it's a wrap. And I think we have a clip on a little bit of that. We'll kind of fill the details afterwards. 
shocking allegations of domestic abuse from popular TV personality Kiki Palmer. The former host of GMA3 and the game show Password has been granted a temporary restraining order against her ex-boyfriend. Darius Jackson is the father of her eight-month-old son. The actress, who famously showed off her belly bump when she appeared on SNL, submitted shocking images to the court, taken from surveillance video, including this one of her being thrown over the back of a sofa, his hand around her throat. Mm. Yeah, so, so yeah, so there it is. You know, a lot of times when there's issues of uh, domestic uh, conflict and violence in a couple, there's hardly ever footage to go with it. But here it is in uh, living color, if you will. You can see kind of what's going on, some of what's going on between them. Definitely looks like uh, he is not touching her lovingly or uh, trying to protect her in that particular clip. Um, apparently they, they got together in the summer of 2021. So they would have made two years, um, uh, this past summer. Um, and, uh, this is, it's a wrap. Uh, she says this has been going on for about two years. So almost for the entirety of their relationship and, um, it's good kudos to her for getting out of that. Um, what do you guys think? So uh, at the risk of, oh. so in the last clip or the last segment, I talked about cynicism. Prior to seeing the video, I was very skeptical or cynical about this whole situation, just to be honest. Um, and it's sad that I feel like I got to be that way because, you know, we you know we hear these celebrities, we we're just talking about Lori and Damson and we don't know if their relationship was real um, I think when she had went to the whole Usher thing, there was a lot of conversation in regards to that relationship and who was running the relationship and whether she respected him and whether he was being a simp and going on to social media and complaining. So when we were thinking about that relationship, then obviously we didn't know their business. Um, obviously there were not any allegations of physical abuse. Um, so this kind of seemed to come out of nowhere in the sense that now that it seemed like the relationship has come to an end that now these allegations are coming forth, right? Um, yes, we saw the pictures, but they were stills. We did not, I did not see any videos. And I think you can take things out of context. Um, you know, if you're, you know, rough playing like, hey, honey, ha, ha, whatever, I don't know, I don't know. So I say all that to say that like, I think I'm going to reserve judgment necessarily. I think we can all say, or at least I can say for sure that domestic violence is a problem, that uh, a man should not be putting his hands on a woman um, absolutely not. Uh, I've never uh, found myself in a relationship where that was the case. I don't support that or believe in it. Um, if, in fact, he did do these things, he deserves whatever book is thrown at him, whatever legal recourse that, you know. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I just started off being kind of cynical. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes it's really hard because, you know, people have different motives for doing different things. I get there might be a custody situation. Um, and then also, if I'm going to be honest, there's a part of me that wonders what role did the Usher thing play in all this? Because that was only but so long ago, right? And what I mean by is if the relationship was as problematic as it was, right? We saw the reveal of the baby bump on the on the Saturday Night Live. She looked elated. They've taken pictures. They've been on socials. It's very difficult when you share your life on social media like this, like, like a lot of people do nowadays, and we don't see that that part 
we only see the good. We only see that y'all seem to be have been good. Y'all living your lives. And then all of a sudden this happens. And then the circumstances, I think it's, you know, credible for people to just take some time before they rush to judgment on this particular situation. But again, any type of domestic violence situation is unacceptable um, from both men and women. Um, and if he did in fact do that, then he deserves whatever he gets. Um, but I just think people got to be very careful um, of rushing to judgment. And um, especially when you're talking about celebrities, because some of them have alternative motives that we may not be aware of. So I'll just leave it there. So I was concerned uh, mostly because domestic violence is a major issue in the community. There's, and it's to be honest, across America. Um, and as a matter of fact, I looked up some of the stats. I used to investigate child abuse and neglect. And a lot of times when the children were being abused, um, it was because the mother was being abused as well. And so um, there seems to be, there's a direct correlation between domestic violence, um, partner violence, intimate violence. And so I had decided it's been a long time, though, since I investigated child abuse and neglect. And so I was like, my stats may not be as current. And when I looked them up, it turns out that they're actually worse now. And I don't know what played a role in that as far as if it was maybe the pandemic and it thrust people into this environment that they weren't accustomed to. Because there was a drastic increase in domestic violence, intimate partner violence and so forth during the pandemic. And so like 41 percent of women, 26 percent of men. So that was an increase on the 26 percent of men. Um before it was still men were abused, but it wasn't at the 20, 26% is now one in nine uh, men are abused. One in four women are abused. And um, the presence, because I think one of the claims was that he pointed a gun at her or something. That's how she was able to get her restraining order. And it said having a gun present in the home increased the chances of homicide by 500%. And I was like, oh, my God, this is I knew that this was a possibility this will happen. But I think this is something that we really need to take in consideration when we talk about domestic violence. And so right off the back, regardless of what the situation may have been, whether people believe it or if they're holding judgment, because at the same time, we also recognize that people can interpret some type of physical contact as domestic violence um, because it was unwanted, such as a shove or something like that. So. I understand holding judgment, but for those who are watching the show, just so you know, if you're experiencing domestic violence, you can actually text 888, that's 88788, and um, it'll direct you to a hotline resources in your community, or you can call 1-800-799-SAFE, that's S-A-F-E, or 7233. And so just want to put that out there um, for those who um, are experiencing domestic violence. And so I wish the best for this couple. If there is a situation or regardless of it being him or her, I think there needs to be some mental health um, therapy involved in this situation um, so they can get to the root of the cause of especially if she's claiming he's putting hands on her. Um, it could technically be where he may have anger issues, may need to go to anger management, or it may be an issue where if she was also physical with him, then both together, they may not be dynamic. Um, separate, they may get an opportunity to grow. And so I still see opportunity for growth. Hopefully this doesn't affect either one of them into a negative space and cause a downward spiral into like depression or the other um, things that comes with having domestic violence in the home. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to echo a lot of what you said, uh, particularly if you are in a situation, please reach out to somebody. Um, you don't have to suffer in silence. It's definitely not your fault. Men can be abused just like women can be abused. And it's it. the problem lies with the person doing the abuse. Uh, and I understand, I have known people who have been in uh, abusive relationships. I've seen them stay. I've seen marriages that had abuse in it and the couple's still together uh, years later. Uh, they they were able to work it out. So, I, you know, it, 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 I'm not saying it always has to end, but what I am saying is when you love something, you protect it. You, you try to keep it from harm. You're definitely not the first person to hurt it, right? Uh, so uh, if you're with someone and their way of loving you is to inflict pain on you, then there's a better way to be loved. You know what I mean? So, uh, of course, get counseling, get help. Um, and, you know, if you want to try to work it out, that's your decision. Just watch the signs and 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 have a point when, when you can tell yourself enough is enough. It's funny. I was, not funny, but it's ironic. I was thinking about the Jeezy interview. One of the things Jeezy said in his interview was how he had witnessed domestic violence as a young child and how it left an impression on him. And in his recounting of this incident, incident of, of domestic violence in which he was over at his friend's house and his and, and the guy went and got the gun, the, went and got a gun and shot the mom like four times. Thankfully, the mother survived. But Jesus said as the situation was going, was escalating, even before it got to that point, even before the time when the man went to the closet to get the gun, Jesus was kind of like, oh, I see where this is going. This is a bad job. Right. So he apparently had seen. Uh, domestic abuse in enough cases that he could recognize the signs to where things were escalating, going in a bad situation. He went on to tell the boys, you know, we, we need to hide. It's about to get dangerous, right? He, uh, he did hide. The cops came and they rescued him eventually. Um, my point here is domestic violence follows the pattern. Um, it, it don't, it, it would be, it's not in your best interest to just assume it'll go away. Or to assume that this this time is different, right? There was a reason Jeezy was able to kind of feel like feel where things was going were going even as a young child, right? Because there is a, there is this pattern of escalation. Um, no one starts off beating up their significant other. It might start with a shove or a choke or a push or a slap, you know. And that's the time when you teach people how to treat you. You go, listen, I don't want to be I don't want to be addressed that way. I don't want to be touched that way. So uh, speak up. Advocate for yourself, but when the other person isn't hearing you and they're not loving you, uh, like the way, way you need to be loved and protected, and they're actually hurting you, please get help. Please get out. Please be safe because you have so much more value than that person is showing you. And that's kind of just what I wanted to say on a broader point. So speaking of speaking up and violence in the community, let's talk about D1 music. Um, I think we have some clips that we can show. And then I'll see you on the other side of this. Jim Jones, you could do better, brother. I love you too much. I love you too much to not be honest with you. Rick Ross, you could do better, brother. Meek Mill, you could do better, brother. I love you too much not to be honest with you. Are you the face of prison reform? Because I have, uh, are you the face of prison reform? Or are you sitting here on your new song with Ross talking about getting somebody murked and shot at the red light? Which one is it, bro? Meek Mill, you could do better. Jim Jones, you could do better. Rick Wall, you could do better. I got to see you do better. Wait, wait. Little man, whoever you is, until you feed the kids where you from for 20 years straight, 
Don't question Rosé. Wait, wait until you buy 10,000 bikes, 10,000 trikes. Give all the young girls who pregnant pampas for Christmas for 20 years straight. Don't question boss. You heard me, little man? Get that basket off your head so you could think clear, little man. You going viral for speaking on niggas' names, not because of your talent. Mm. Yeah. Get that basket off your head. That's what he said. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, I, I, can I, I, let me. Hold on. Yeah. Did you, 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 I got some jokes too. Yeah. Shit. Not only yeah. the basket off your head. Okay, but anyways. Um, and so just to provide some additional background for those who aren't aware. Um, so this was a conversation that, and to be honest, it's a mission that D1 Music has undertaken to basically call out the community for particularly the gangster rappers and so forth um, about the violence in our community. He's trying to change the focus and hold them accountable, apparently, to the music that they're putting out there, because we all know that for some reason, art follows music, follows life, imitation of what is it? What's the phrase I'm thinking of? Life imitates, life imitates art, art, right? And so we're experiencing that because ever since Gangster Rap been introduced and along with some other laws and regulations has come into play, we've seen a drastically increase in death, murder, and prison um, sentencing in our community, right? And that's just outside of the laws and regulations that also help put us in this situation that we are in. So what do you guys thought in regards to D1 calling out the community calling out these rappers. He dropped Jim Jones, Neek Mill, Rick Ross, and he's not done. He's he's on a path. Just my first, my first question is, how did he pick up with this list? Like, why are these four? Well, like, how did you go and see who was like who was trending and who's been making hits like in the top 100 in the last six months? You're like, yo, this is my list. I'm going to start with. Like, I don't know how he picked these people that he first came out with. Now, first, let me say. I don't listen to D1's music. I've seen it on my uh, TikTok feed a couple of times. And it's, it's positive, right? It's got a good message. Not really my, the message is fine. I actually am a person who's a big fan of lyrics. Um, his lyrics are okay. You know what I'm saying? He, I think as far as rapping goes, I think he's, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the upper mid, I guess, maybe. Um, I do think it, it it's valid for him to call out right? Whatever effects he sees are happening in the community. Uh, because, I mean, when one rapper calls out another rapper for having whack rhymes, nobody gets, you know, it doesn't get this heated. It's interesting how passionate the response was over this, and it's not even that passionate when rappers get in rap beef usually, right? So, but I think Rick Ross's response is what, what, what kind of got me, because I'm like, are we saying that if you give, if you feed an, a neighborhood or even five neighborhoods, right? Every every year, four times a year, and you give them all turkeys for Thanksgiving or whatever you're doing, does that blessing you give to a neighborhood in a particular city outweigh whatever the damage, potential impact may be to a, a global uh, a body of people across the world? I mean, your message is going beyond the city that you're giving turkeys to. Your message is going global, right? So if it, in fact, what, if in fact the music that he's producing is, is poisonous or toxic to the people, then you're then it's poisoning way more people than he's helping. And I applaud him for helping. I applaud him for giving back. I think I think that's awesome. 
and, and he did some Rick Ross did some other stuff. He's like, yo, if you got a a, a business idea, you know, he said slide in my DMs and I'll try to help you get it off off whatever, you know, get it paused. He's like, I'll try to help you get it promoted and get it big or whatever, right? So I, I, no disrespect to Rick Ross, but I do think it's a valid, it's a valid point to say, does a social ill of the of the music and the messages and the images that we promote to our people and the people across the world, does that get canceled out by whatever philanthropic good that we do, whether we're, we're giving coats and clothes and diapers? Is that the balance? Is it okay then? You know, uh, I don't know. Um, and he, he talked about some other people, but I'm sure we got clips for those. So just on the Rick Ross thing, um, I respect Rick Ross in terms of like what he's been able to accomplish musically, uh, turn, you know, coming from being a correctional officer to being a, a, a rapper is uh it's a pretty good thing i was like remind me of a big five on little five oh <laughs> if you watched uh what's the movie uh with the whip that trick anyway so uh, correction officers yes hustle and flow thank you uh correction officers turn rapper that's that's a nice turnaround uh his business acumen seems to be great but it doesn't negate the fact that we have to balance out the effects of what we do on the community versus uh, the good that we can do and to see really, hopefully it shouldn't balance, right? Should definitely be more good than bad. What are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah. So <clears throat> multiple things can be true at the same time, right? Is this clout chasey? Absolutely. Right. That's the reason why you name dropped them, right? You kind of like dropping their name. And I think even Rick Ross towards the end of that video said that you're going viral, not for your music, but because you dropped my name. Right. So that can be true. The statement that he made could also be true, right? So I think Meek Mill in particular has kind of become the face of prison reform, right? He, Jay-Z, um, some of their billionaire friends <clears throat> even have an organization where they talk about that Meek Mill was done wrong in Philadelphia for many, many years in regards to like this, this rogue judge um, that was unfairly sentencing him and so on and so forth. So I do get the dichotomy, the, the, the situation where it's like, on the one hand, you're talking about prison reform. But then on the other hand, it's possible that the type of music that you're creating could be leading kids to prison, like low key. Right. Um, so there's there's also a point there. Right. Um, one of the things uh, and Jay, you're, I agree with you 100 percent that Rick Ross kind of talked about some of the things that he did. But actually, D1 came back after Rick Ross spoke and said, hey, that's cool that you're doing that. But he said exactly what you just said, Jay, that, you know, just because you're giving out you know, turkeys to 20,000 people or whatever, but your music is worldwide. You sold millions of albums. You do concerts all over the world. And, but then the que the question then becomes out of the millions of people who listen to your music, then you have to try to quantify how many of them, you know, uh, took the, you know, took the music and decided to make life out of it. Right. Cause I do think growing up, there was always that conversation about the responsibility of the artists. And I remember a kid got charged for shooting somebody and was like, rap made me do it. And that was the whole big thing. At the time, I remember thinking, Nick, please, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you know, yes, I think we are influenced, but to make that direct correlation, like, oh, I shot him because I heard this rapper talk about shooting one of his ops. That's a bit of a stretch to me. I think there's a lot more that is going on in that young person's life that leads them right to make those choices and so maybe getting that bike and that trike gave him hope gave that kid hope that wow rick ross still gave back maybe i can make it out right so who knows i think it gets really convoluted when you try to draw a cause and correlation uh between music and what happens but i think he did spark a larger conversation which i think is the responsibility of not only artists but the music industry record labels right when i grew up when we grew up 
there was a balance, right? We'd be able to hear NWA, but then we also heard, you know, Arrested Development, or we had different types of music that was popular, right? You didn't have to go searching for it. People say now, like, well, there's a bunch of great artists. You have to go searching for them. Well, we didn't have to search for them back then, right? We didn't even have the internet necessarily to even search for them. They were put front and center. You know what I'm saying? There was an era, Chuck D, fight the power. Like, these things were not only lucrative, they made money, but they also created a balance. You know what I'm saying? You had the party rappers, you had the fun guys, you had the gangster guys, right? And now it just seems like all of music that's promoted heavily by the machine is on that gangster shit, right? And I think rather than the ire being just to the artist, although it's I get why you do that because it is clout chasey, but the truth is the artist is responsible for their art. It's the industry. It's the consumer, right? It's the labels that decide what to put out there. And I think if you want to advocate for something, it should be for more balance in the music in terms of, hey, if you're going to put $10 million towards gangster shit, can you at least put three folk towards like some non-gangster shit, right? Because the truth is, is that the masses, and I'll land with this, I hate to say this, but we're all like sheep for the most part. Like it's called programming for a reason. So you might hear a song you don't like it, but after the 17th time that you've heard it, you start nodding, you start tapping your foot, right? And he was also talking about how these messages come across because we're in love with the beat, so on and so forth. So there is truth in what he is saying. But also the truth is, is that the, we all have a responsibility to improve it. It's not just the rappers, right? Because he also admits he listens to some of those songs. We listen to some of those songs, right? Um the, the rappers have responsibility. The consumer has responsibility. The labels have a responsibility. So simply to call out the rappers, I get why it's clout chasing. I get why Rick Ross would feel some type of way, but it's a larger machine. And I guess if I was speaking to D1, how is he going to address the larger machine? Because even if Rick Ross and Meek Mills and all the Jim Jones changed what they did, the machine is already preparing to have the next Rick Ross, the next Jim Jones, the next Meek Mills to do exactly what they did, right? And I said I was going to say the last thing, but I, and I will say this one last thing. I, I, I apologize for lying. Um, I do agree, though, that, for example, certain people need to mature in their music, and Meek Mill could be one of them. You know, you could only talk about gang, gang, shoot, shoot, op, ops when you're not living that life, right? Some of us do want to see growth in the music. So yes, you can still associate. Yes, you can still whatever, whatever. I'm not asking Meek Mill to do his version of 444. But what I am asking though for artists overall, because you guys are the tastemakers and believe it or not, you have more power than you give yourself credit for. So if you decide to change it up, guess what? Maybe all your fans don't rock with you, but you might gain new fans, right? And at some point in time, we all know music is not making the most money now anyway. It's not like you're selling $10 CDs anymore, right? So you use the music to set you up for something else. And so what better time than now than to use your platform to be able to elevate and do something else. You can't rap forever, my brother, and hopefully you guys are preparing yourself. I know Rick Ross certainly has, but whether it's the Meek Mills or Jim Jones or any rapper out there, prepare yourself for life after rap. And I think there's nothing wrong with growth and evolution, but we all bear some responsibility, not just the rappers. So I agree with that. And um, I also, I like D1 because he's trying to change the narrative. And, and he's nice um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Why or excuse me, butterscotch. Is that what you called it? It is butterscotch. Um, I do as a foodie. Um, I go by the flavors. So butterscotch, banana, caramel or caramel, depending on where you're from, pecan, chocolate, milk chocolate, and fudge. Um, so <laughs> which, which one am I? I because I, I just made you feel for me. I didn't know how to rate myself. You know, <laughs> some I'm context, Can you give us some context? Yeah, yes. Context. I would be which one. <laughs> 
Um, just based on looking, I'm gonna go with you're like a mm, between a caramel pecan type or pecan, depending on where you're from. Um, somewhere between there, like you know, and then sometimes you may be a roasted, toasted pecan or pecan, and other times you may be. Other My you know, right. Past summer, you know what I'm saying? And then you start, you lose your tan because you're not in the sun as much. So it all depends. So uh, um, stop hating on the butterscotch. <laughs> I'm just saying, I like the one. You probably never heard that one of his, but he's kind of pecan. No, though. actually, oh, I have heard his music. I have heard his music. <laughs> okay. And um, and I would agree that it makes sense. Like, I like the words that he, he's saying. It's not necessarily has the tightest beat next to it. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have the, you know, um, it doesn't necessarily have the same flash and bang that the other music has, right? Like Rick Ross type style music. But I like D1 music because at the end of the day, he's speaking truth, right? He's speaking a positive message. And I have a tendency to gravitate towards positive messaging raps. So you talked about earlier hustle and flow. And I found that so ironic because Terrence Howard was doing that study on sound, right? He took his whole hiatus so that he can talk about sound theory. And when we talk about music and the lyrics and so forth and the programming, part of that is the sound, what we're hearing, what we're listening to, the vibrations of the music. That's why when you put on some Rick Ross, you're like, yeah, you know, you're crunked. Ready to go, and uh, as a matter of fact, I listen to a lot of this type of music in the gym just to motivate me through the workout because I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna push it right and um, push it to the limit. I hear you yesterday, right? You know, and then so um, Miami, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so and then at the same time, when I'm cooling down, you know what I don't have on. I don't have on Rick Ross. (laughs) I don't have on rap. I don't have on, you know, I may have on some meditation style music or something like that. But the point is, is that it's because it can, it's all about the brain waves, the sound, the vibrations and whatnot. So I recognize what he's saying. I appreciate the message. And I agree though with Nick that it's not just the rappers. There's been rappers who's come out and stated that their producers won't let them speak positivity. They won't let them use certain words in their, um, especially the newer ones in their raps and they even talk about how they can't say other words like you know how you say the n-word all the time in rap but you can't say cracker and you know for some reason or like well they said there was a this one guy who was like you can't even say certain words because they don't want to promote that they don't want to promote folks going out and killing let's say white people that they associate with rednecking or whatever rednecks or whatever right and or they don't want to use certain language that's associated with slurs that are associated with other cultures because they don't want them to target those people, right? And so the point I'm making is that the rappers have some control, but not as much as we may think they have. And ultimately, it goes back to the consumer. It goes back to who's listening to it, who's um, buying the music, who's streaming the music, whatever the case may be. And as long as the consumer continues to support it, then it's not going to change. And even if the producers, now I will agree with Nick that back in our day, we did have options. Like we had Nas coming out with music, Common coming out. We had all this music that was easy to find because they got equal play. And we're not getting that anymore. We're not getting that equal play. We're only getting that gangster rap. But I will say this, that to be honest, while we do have this issue in our community, we're actually not the greatest producers as in consumers of hip hop music. And so 
we also have to wonder about the nature and nurture within our community too, because if we're not the biggest consumers of this type of music, then why hasn't it affected the other communities in the same manner that has affected our community? And the last thing I want to say, because we talked about names, one of my current favorite conscious rappers, and here we go, Toby. No, <laughs> we can't wait. Hey, everybody, I'm going to try to say it right, but um, so, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to mess this up. So, we're just going to go ahead and say it the way I was going to say it. And so, if I was wrong in the way I pronounced his name, just know he's still fire, fire. And, um, <laughs> Please feel free to Hot hit fire. me up. Dylon, 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 and Dylon. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did SNF shoot her shot? Did, what was it? What was it what was no, no, that? no. I'm talking about in regards to correcting. Because oh, I okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I love okay. the music. He's married. He got his kids. I love the fact that he incorporates his entire family into his mm-hmm. message and into his videos. I love that. And so there's space for that. We just have to look for it. And that's what the problem is. We shouldn't necessarily have to look for it. It didn't work so, for chance, but go ahead, Jay. So, so I know. I know. <laughs> the rapper tried to incorporate his family. We ain't heard from him since. We ain't but heard from him. <laughs> but, you know, so it's interesting, though. Like, we bring up Toby. And Toby uh, had his family and his music, right? But he does positive music. Meanwhile, you have Cardi B, right, who says she won't let her kids listen to her music, right? So we do. So we do have at least some admission on the part of the people producing the music that they understand that the, that the messages being conveyed are toxic and are not to be consumed by the the people by young impressionable minds, right? And asking them something you said about the fact that there were certain words that you couldn't say or groups you couldn't bring up or whatever because they didn't want those groups targeted. What it says the the counter positive or the opposite of that argument is it says it's okay to say it about black people because we don't mind them being targeted matter of fact we don't mind if the entire world which apparently consumes more hip-hop than black people thinks of them as a target and says it's okay to to shoot a negro at the the corner right so so i think so so then and this is going to sound harsh but then what becomes the difference between rappers or or people who put out these kind of these, these kind of messages and the character that Sam Jackson played on the Django Unchained. Oh, so you're both. I'm sorry. Is, 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 so I, I'll, that's that's so the that first rhetorical? question. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but it was it was rhetorical. But if you see a difference, I'd like to hear it. So, okay. so you can answer that. And the last thing I'll say is this: If you there's an old proverb that says, "If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, right? But if you teach a man a fish," He could eat for his whole life, right? So giving out bikes and 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 diapers and turkeys, that's giving a man a fish. They're going to eat for a day. But if you were really putting something that was beneficial and that could help people build and was real game and was about more than just trapping and capping and hoeing and whatever, right? Then you'd be teaching people to fish, right? You'd actually be empowering people. And that, that would go a much longer way in helping the community actually get, get somewhere, right, than giving everybody fish twice a year. Nick, what are your thoughts? What are we going to say about the uh, the other thing? The question, I think your question was, what's the difference between the rappers, yeah. I guess, with their art and let's say an actor playing a role, right? 
No, 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 no. My, oh, my okay. question was, what's the difference between rappers putting out messages and 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 music that they know is toxic to the community and the house Negro who oh, has gotcha. got a, a master they trying to run, who basically is, is, is one of the people, but is now completely operating in a self-serving way at the expense of the other people who haven't oh, gotcha. made it to the other echelon. That's what I was saying. So, you, so in your opinion, you're saying both parties are doing something that's destructive and one could just be more self-serving than the other? Like Tim I'm, Scott's? You said, you said you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. you mentioned Samuel Jackson. Yeah, no, no, I was talking about the character he played in Django. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, remember I the character's you. name. Right, right gotcha, so Steven, saying, Steven, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Steven's right. So I'm saying that, that idea that says, I'm going to make sure me and my family are good or, or that my person, my circle is good at the expense of those like me who just haven't been able to be in the position that I'm in. Gotcha. That's okay. Then my bad. I don't, I don't have a response. I think I probably agree with what you're saying. I thought you were saying like the difference and it actually kind of leads into the next story. So it's up to you guys if you want to kind of get into there because that will then allow me to answer that, the question that I thought you were asking in the first place. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, listen, I don't mind, Nick. Go right ahead and leave and slide, slide it on in there. Go ahead. I just want to say this real quick. I still want to get in there before we move on. But go ahead. It's real quick. Snoop Dogg is a great example of somebody who started off in gangster rap and evolved past that into his uh, his musical in, um, career. And so he's a great example to me of somebody that changed and transitioned and pivoted to reflect where he was in life now or where he is in life now. And now we can slide on to the next hop. Yes. Yeah, so I sure like the way you did that. I'm sure Snoop Dogg would really appreciate that. Shout out. <laughs> Speaking of people who did not change uh, or change their music, you know, uh, Young Thug is uh, still on trial. And the great debate has been whether or not his lyrics can be used against him. And there is a ruling for that. We have a clip about the ruling. Breaking news. Uh, no, sir. No, we do not have that no. info being for Dang, this. I, I thought uh, I thought I thought, I thought I sent one in. I'm so sorry. All right, so I'll break I'll break it down. What I what I saw it in the clip. Light work. So, light work. Light yeah, it's for light work. Light work. So basically, what, what the the source of contention was, um, whether or not his lyrics could be used as proof of crime. Okay, what the judge decided was that the lyrics can be used to show mens rea or active rea. I, I pronounced the last one wrong. Shout out to SNM. And um, it's basically, does he have, did he have the mind to commit a crime or the means to commit the crime? So what they're going to do is they're going to use his lyrics and have experts give testimony on whether someone who wrote lyrics like this has the mindset that would make them capable of doing the crime that he was committed on. So it's not necessarily saying, look, he's on wax submitting to the crime. It's saying, look, he's on wax using his art to express his mindset. And based on his mindset, right, and based on what he's showing or whatever, whatever, is it possible that he's the kind of person who could do that? That's how they're wow. admitting that that those lyrics. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that's a game changer, folks, because that doesn't that that means. Sorry, I kicked my thing. Anyway, that's a game changer because that means we can no longer say it's just art. Right. Because because it was produced from your mind, they're going to use what you produce from your mind to reflect your mindset. Anyway, I want to jump in on that. Well, I have a question. So, because um, I really didn't follow the Young Thug story really as much as I probably could have or should have. And so, but wasn't part of it was because some of the lyrics that he was rapping correlated to some unsolved murders 
And um, and that was part of the problem, right? Well, that's a distinction that Jay is drawing, right? Because before that was the initial argument. Can it be used to say, hey, you mentioned you was at this spot at eight o'clock. So we're going to use that to say that you kind of snitched on yourself. What Jay is talking about, though, with this ruling is something completely different, which kind of also caught me off guard. And what he is saying is we're not saying that you did something specifically with these lyrics. We're saying that now we're looking at your mindset. Did somebody who wrote a song like this is there are they capable of the crime they actually committed? So this is a this is definitely a game changer um, because so I had mixed feelings about this. Right. And Jay, you kind of threw me off a little bit because I guess, you know, hearing that part of this. So I was prepared to say that when it comes to using your lyrics, hey, I saw Johnny at the red light at eight, I popped a cap in his ass, I jumped back in the car. Like if you're snitching on yourself in your rap music, then yeah, they should be able to use that shit. I'm sorry, right? I'm not saying you should be able to use that alone, right? But let's say for example, by you saying you shot Johnny on the corner of eighth at nine o'clock and I can corroborate that with some cameras that show that your car was in the vicinity of a murder that occurred, then nigga, what are we talking about? Right. And, and, if for, <laughs> and if and if for no other reason, your dumb ass need to get charged and fucking whatever because you snitched on yourself. We have this gangster culture where we're not supposed to be snitching and you're telling the popos in your music what exactly you did and they use that to convict your dumb ass. So I do think that that actually makes sense. But with what you said though, Jay, I absolutely disagree with that wholeheartedly. Because when you think about art, when you think about imagination, right? People can have an imagination about something that they've never experienced or that they would never do. But it's that's that's part of what makes art like art sometimes. Like a person, well, let me let me backtrack a little bit, right? So the problem with the rap music is that it's the idea that you're living your raps. Right. So we, I think rap is one of the few art forms that I can think of off top that's within that genre of entertainment or whatever. Right. Where we expect these artists to be authentic to their bars. So if you're portraying yourself as a gangster. Right. There may be some people who expect you to back up your raps. You know what I'm saying? So, for example, we were talking about the whole Michael Urban thing several weeks ago. If he's rapping that way and then he goes to Cali, for example, and, you know, we got to check in. Well, nigga, you talking that way. So even though I don't know you, I expect you to know what the rules are, the standard operating procedures and check in with the gangsters and the homies. Otherwise, we might find you somewhere and stick your ass up because we know you got a couple of coins. But you weren't that gangster to, to, to begin with. So my point is, is that rap is one of the few art forms, I think, where the artists are actually expected uh, to live their raps. I don't know painters who are necessarily expected to be whatever. You know what I mean? So I think there's a danger in that. But this, I, this idea that just based off of your lyrics, we can we can see the type of person you are that would make you capable of doing a thing that is dangerous. That, that's almost like saying that Martin Scorsese is a gangster. He should be able to be profiled for potentially having mob ties, right? A lot of his movies that he did was about gangsters, a lot of them, right? So should we just assume that he's exhibiting the mentality of somebody who also needs to be in a Rico, right? It's it's dangerous. Um, and I just think that we got this shit got to stop. But I will say again, if these niggas out here are rapping about the crime, then I think the police officers, the popos, the alphabet boys have every single right to go out there and use that against them because, nigga, you snitched on yourself and these niggas are snitching on fucking Instagram, on social media. I'm sorry. I'm not gangster, y'all. I want no smoke. However, I'm not going to have any empathy or sympathy for you guys if you're telling on yourself and then you're wondering how you got caught, nigga, because you told on yourself. Sorry. Not sorry. Go ahead, SNL. 
So I would agree with uh, that. I'm actually surprised at the level of stupidity with the new generation of rappers where they're literally on Instagram flashing um, on TikTok, doing everything possible to. I know I understand they're trying to get their street cred up or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, it's like, um, mm, not only are you opening yourself up to law enforcement, but you're also opening yourself up to other folks to come rob you because nine out of 10, your location is not off. Nine out of 10, you didn't take the time to say, oh, let me crop off this clear address in the back of my um, picture, my frame or whatever is case. And the worst part of it is some of y'all actually dropping y'all addresses. And it's like, dropping, why are you dropping your address? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and then claim if you want this smoke, come get this smoke, you know. And it's like, come on, stop it. So I think that there needs to be a reality check for the rappers um, that and also for the people in general recognizing it concerns me, to be honest, if we're going by my set uh, for a lot of people don't know that I actually write psychological thriller slash horrors. Um, and if I have to be profiled and they say, oh, well, her mindset is the mindset of a serial killer because I have a serial killer in my book, then there's a problem. I don't think that we should be judged on mindset. You guys remember that movie? I think it was called precog something with tom cruise yes um, minority report what was minority it called? Report. yeah there it is minority and it report. was just like um so now we're judging people based on what we think their potential to commit a crime may be and that's a dangerous road to go down and if we're going down that road we need a hard stop right now because what happened to innocent before? Because it literally takes away innocent before proven guilty if we're going by mindset so now your mindset makes you guilty I don't think so. The judge was careful to say that they couldn't take his lyrics and say, well, these guys, this is proof that these guys did that thing. They were barred from doing that, but they were allowed to get expert testimony to analyze the lyrics and, and whatever, whatever for, for, yeah, like I said, for mindset. So what, what it, to me, it goes back to our, our previous story, right? We, we got to change our narrative. Maybe D1 is onto something, right? Maybe it's time for us to talk about something different. Because, you know, this is uh, hip hop is, uh, I think, two, not uh, T.I. called it trap music. And more and more, it's feeling like hip hop has become this great, big cultural, social trap for black people. And I love hip hop. I love the, the music, the beats, the fashion. I love all of it. But I don't love what it's become. And I, I hate even more that it's being used against us. You know, one of the things that rappers uh, a lot always rap about, I hear a lot of people go, you know, no weapon formed against me or prosper. And, and that was from the Bible. And I dig that. And I agree with that. But the weapon you formed against yourself will always work. So. No, that's well said. Thank you. Yeah, that's well said, Jay. Um, wow. I mean, I think that's pretty much says it all right at the end of the day. Um, but, you know. The one thing I do like about rap is that it's aspirational. So when people are talking about getting money and and making moves and like Jay-Z inspired me to a certain extent. So there are some positive. We definitely got to say that there are some guys who, yes, they may have a drug dealing or, you know, violence in their music, but they also do kind of give you the other side of the coin. Right. So it's not like a we don't want to paint a broad brush with all the rappers. Right. I think there's a lot of them who do right. a great job of telling you the one side of it, but also telling you why you should stay with it. I think Hove said Hove did that. So hopefully you don't have to go through that. Right. So there are right. some aspirationals. Right. Right. And shout out to all the guys who've made some money and have been able to find some really great balance. Speaking of making money, though. Right. So recently, DJ Khaled was talking about how 
he don't trust money managers. He don't fuck with money managers. He don't mess with accountants when it comes to paying his own. You know what? Instead of me telling you what DJ Khaled said, let me let DJ Khaled tell you what he's talking about. Okay, we'll come right back. Leaving no accountant. I don't believe in <laughs> what's the thing called money manager. Yeah. yeah, all that. That's your business. Khaled had low heels. I, I paid the grass, the car wash <laughs> man, the guy that's cut my hair, the electric bill, the car note, the mortgage. I I I have a rule. Where my bank got to tell me, even if I tell them I approve it, don't listen to me. <laughs> no, on the, I, no, I'm not making I want you to end up, I'll give you my banker's number and ask them. I said, do not listen to me. And because I get on an email or a text, I approve. I do that, but they have to get a verbal. Yeah, yeah, you're going to call you and talk me. Talk and to And FaceTime. Yeah. Because it's AIs out there. Yeah, now. okay. You got to see me. Yes. So what are your thoughts, man? DJ Keller said, no, nah, man, I pay everything from haircuts to, to the weed whacking. Okay. What are your thoughts on his commentary? You know, there's a, there's a saying in the Bible that says the fool and his money are soon parted. Right. And uh, when I first heard this, I was like, yo, DJ Khaled, man, give me one, one second. I got an airplane. Can I hear the airplane? So yeah, no, that's I, fine. I can't, I can't stop those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this podcast is really right. taking off. We're reaching. You know what I mean? We're about high right now. Going to the stars. <laughs> uh, Nothing playing here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, was so so. At first, my first heard this, I honestly shook my head at the young man, and I was like, "Dude, what are you doing? I mean, you got professionals who go who get training for this, right?" But then when he, when he laid out, like, you know, where he was coming from with it, um, that, I mean, I understand that. I understand, when I was growing up, you know, I was like, I'm going to be rich one day. I'm going to have an accountant and I'm going to have three accountants to check. What was, I think there was a movie like that. Maybe it was a casino where you had like an accountant and you had another accountant to check that accountant, another accountant to check that accountant, right? Because you never know who's going to be stealing from you. Uh, and ultimately, if they all get together, they can still steal from you. So I respect uh, his approach to keeping it in the house. Um, I will say, though, if you are going to manage your own money, you should at least try to get some counsel from someone, uh, if for nothing else, but to make sure that you're aware of all the laws uh, and statutes that may affect how you're moving. Uh, but, you know, if you want to watch your own money, I say, yeah, good on him. Um, maybe he won't be the fool to get separated from his money. So, yeah, I respect that. I really I really had to go through a whole thing with it. Um, hopefully. And the other thing I like about this, and I'll say this now, and I'll, land, I'll be real brief is that I like that at least he's talking about money management, right? At least he's now bringing that into the conversation because rappers talk, Jay-Z did some of that on 444, but people, our music talks so much about making money, but never about keeping money, right? Hardly about investing money, definitely not about managing money. And whether you Joe Smith or Joe Budden, you know what I mean? Give us about managing money, right? Managing money is clearly important, apparently. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting take. I want to see how it turns out for him. Wishing the best success in the world with it. And uh, yeah, let's see what happens. So I support it. And the reason why I support it, especially if you have somebody who's providing him guidance, is that um, I know in our household, um, my husband manages the money, right? As far as doing the taxes and so forth. And I think it provides a level of accountability, self-accountability, right? Because you can see what's coming in and what's going out. And you have, and that's, a, technically, that's what you should be doing. So 
if you have an accountant or whatnot, then you should be providing oversight to that accountant. And I think a lot of the athletes and rappers and so forth who lost money was because they put their wholehearted trust into these individuals with very minimum to no oversight. So I see the value in the accountants. I actually would prefer an accountant um, <laughs> because there are, there are some things that they can, they find loopholes and whatnot that my husband may not necessarily find. And, but it's just a matter of us providing that oversight and going through it. In his case, he says, well, if I got to provide this level of oversight, then why not just do it myself? And so we periodically do use accountants and that's just to verify um, where we are at. So I think it's great. I agree that he's having a conversation about financial literacy in the community is a good thing about how to um, and maybe it's a call for those people who have kept their money to say, hey, if you find that your Persian money so often, maybe you need to take a look at it yourself. But regardless, I think that having an accountant could be a good is a good thing as long as you're providing that oversight. So many people don't do it. And lastly, I just want to say I'm feeling them green pants, them lime green pants. When I first saw the interview, I was like, is that Shannon Sharp with lime green pants on? Look at him. I love it. And so kudos to him for the combo that he had with the lime green and the white tennis shoes. So, you know. Are you Before you jump in, I, I got to say, yeah. I, I appreciate SNM what you bring to this podcast because I did not even notice what color pants he had on. So, <laughs> so I don't even know that. what she's talking about. I was going to ask her to to clarify: was she talking about Shannon or or Kelly? Because I didn't even know the long green pants either. Shannon, I said Shannon. Oh, right. I was feeling that combo that he had going on. I like the know. fact that he was confident with the bright colors. You know, you know the thing about Shannon. He re- he looks like he could be like Morris Chestnut's older brother a little bit, right? <laughs> I see where you're going with this. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying a particular co-host had a crush on Morris Chestnut or anything, uh, but you go from <laughs> you go from deep chocolate to butterscotch, girl. What is this, an M&M? But, uh, Look, but real, I enjoyed all the flavors for the most part. That's all I'm just. As gonna. long as it's chocolate, huh? As long as it got it's in the brown spectrum, I am not mad at you on that. Um, I'll just say real briefly. Uh, I think you guys covered it. I would say that um, I get where he's coming from. Jay kind of almost stole my thunder a little bit with the whole Joe Smith conversation because when you hear about a lot of these athletes or whoever going broke is because they had a money manager or an accountant or whoever um, take advantage of them or mismanage their funds or so on or or put them in bad investments or whatever. So when I first heard Cal say that, I, that's where I was coming. I was like, oh, I get where he's coming from, right? Because you just don't want everybody's hand. First of all, you're also saving money too. Let's be clear, right? Because these people are not working for free. So there is a level of saving money for, to a certain extent, right? Number two, there's that trust factor. You can trust yourself, right? But number three, and I think this is something that wasn't mentioned. Nowadays, all the tools to do stuff, a lot of them are already available either on your phone or on your computer. I, I handle the bills in my household. I take care of like the paying off the bills and manage the money and so forth. But a lot of that is online. Right. So you got And then on top of that, you can auto pay. Right. You know exactly what's due, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? So I just think that, like, it may not be as daunting as people may think in regards to managing your funds. I have a TD Ameritrade account, a Charles you know, Schwab account. So I'm able to manage my investments. Now, granted, you know, he's dealing with large, much larger numbers than I am. And I think you can still have people in your circle or in your business or, you know, around you that can provide a really great insight. But at the end of the day to execute though, I think you can do a lot of that. And I'm not mad at him if that's how he wants to run things. And then you're right. You guys are both right. This is a great conversation because Jay, you pointed out 
that it's not something that we talk about. We talk about getting to the bag, but a uh, shout out to the earn your leisure guys. Shout out to the trap, uh, wall street trapper. There's a lot of young brothers out here who are in this content creating space or uh, who are creating amazing content that's raising the awareness of financial management, financial literacy, investing and so on and so forth. And so we'll continue to hopefully see that progress. But, uh, you know, listen, I am mad at Cali. If you want to make sure he keeps all his money in his own pockets. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if you know, DJ Khaled, another one, right? Speaking of the times when we say another one and we don't like it, we wish we really wouldn't mm. be able to say that. Uh, the last of the officers to be tried for the death of Elijah McCain, McLean, who was the uh, young black man who was killed in Aurora, Colorado. Um, well, he, they, yeah, the family won the suit. I can definitely say he was killed. Um, due to a administration of ketamine, right? Um, and some other factors, he died in police custody. His family did win a lawsuit against them. The last the officers was tried. The first two officers, the first one was convicted. The second one was acquitted. And now we have the verdict of the third one. I think we got a clip for it. We turn now to the other news this Monday evening, the verdict in the death of Elijah McClain, officers stopping him as he walked home from a convenience store one putting him in a chokehold, EMTs giving him ketamine. Tonight, the verdict just in for the officer who placed him in that hold. And here's Pierre Thomas. Tonight, a Colorado police officer has been acquitted in the killing of Elijah McClain, a young man whose death shocked the nation. The four-person reads, we the jury find the defendant, Nathan Woodyard, not guilty of manslaughter, reckless, and the lesser-included offense of criminally negligent homicide. Nathan Woodyard placed McLean in a neck hold, which has since been banned. But his defense team arguing McLean was alive when Woodyard released him and that it was a fatal dose of ketamine that contributed to McLean's death. All right, I'm going to give a little more context to this, and then I'm going to let you guys, you know, I want to hear your, hear your thoughts on it. Um, so, you know, he got stopped. Um, the... Uh, officer was found not guilty because they said the ketamine did it. Um, ketamine uh, is another aspect of the story I'd like for you to consider. Ketamine is, is applied when um, officers and EMTs have um, decided that the person that they are dealing with is experiencing uh, excited dementia. Um, and excited dementia, CNN found, uh, between the years of 2010 and 2020, in that 10-year period, it accounted for 43% of the deaths of, um, well, sorry, black people were 43% of the ones who died from um, excited dementia um, in that time period, even though we were only 13% of the population. So somehow we were three times more likely to, to die from this excited dementia uh, situation that happens when, uh, when, you, when you run into the cops than uh, our other counterparts, because we're only 13% of the population. Um, but yeah, so there's one conviction, two acquittals. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? It's big. I mean, there's a lot to it. Uh, SMM? So I was very disappointed, and but I wasn't surprised um, because they felt they did the dog and pony show of, hey, we convicted at least one, right? And so, and ultimately, I'm not quite sure how they felt that being put in a chokehold did not contribute to his death. I'm still trying to 
figure out that is literally called a choke hold. And they try to downplay it by calling it a neck hold in the release and the statements because they're, they wanted to minimize exactly what he did. And so I'm not surprised. This is just part of the course. Um, there is where they're like, hey, we threw you a carrot. We did get one convicted. And but, you know, for the most part, we're just going to keep it on the EMTs because the EMTs was the one that actually administered this dose. And so I also found it amazing because if I recall correctly, um, Elijah was considered special needs, if I recall correctly. And um, and the fact that they was that was that him? That, yeah, I think so. And the fact that they completely ignored because they didn't give him opportunity to talk, didn't give him opportunity to describe. And what the hell is excited dementia, hysteria? What was it? What was it? What was the term? Excited. De- uh, no, sorry. I said dementia. Excited delirium. That's what mm, it's called. Excited so, delirium. yeah. Okay. So, mm, excited delirium. So. Just to get some context. Excited delirium is has been a, a diagnosis since about the nineteen seventies, eighties, right? Um, but get this, it is not recognized by the American Medical Association. It's not recognized by the American Society of Anesthesiologists, who would be be the ones to normally administer ketamine, right? So no, none of our, uh, or the uh, only the uh, American College, American College of Emergency um, Physicians, I think, uh, has recognized uh, excited um, delirium as something. And, uh, but it's this term has been used whenever the police encounter someone who has these symptoms. Now, get this, they're trained to recognize the symptoms of this disease that supposedly people in police custody die from. Because really, I think the real culprit here is, 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 is racism in our system. And I think, and I remember I mentioned Dave Chappelle, it goes back to that thing about, the, uh, Dave Chappelle did a special called Killing Them Softly. And in, his, in, in, that, in that comedy, if you haven't seen it, you should see it, it's funny. He talks, he had, had a skit where some cops shoot a black guy and they don't want to have to explain why they shot this black guy, so he sprinkles some crack on him, so they can be like, "Yo, he must have been a crackhead. It must have been drug related, right?" So this this diagnosis of uh, excited delirium is kind of like sprinkling crack on, on a black person after you kill him in police custody. It's the catch-all. It's kind of like during when COVID first came out, how everybody who died, no matter what they died of, died of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. It was like even if they had like heart problems when they died, oh, we have another COVID death. That's what they've done with this excited delirium thing. They have had this catch-all now where if a person uh, is, I mean, let me tell you what, what the symptoms are. The symptoms of excited uh, delirium, uh, which is are said to be uh, extreme agitation, paranoia, panic, shouting, confusion, being unexpectedly strong or superhumanly strong. Uh, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Uh, uh, the person's being resistant or not following demands. So let me get this right. A black man's walking home from a convenience store, okay? He happens to have a skull cap on because he's anemic, so he gets cold very easily. And mind you, he's in Aurora, Colorado, which is pretty freaking cold, okay? He went into the convenience store with his mask on. They got video. He goes in there. He pays for his things like a good law-abiding citizen. He's walking home 
with the bag in hand. I don't know who robbed the convenience store and takes the bag with their stuff, right? But the convenience store didn't call it a robbery because there was no robbery. Somebody called to say, I see a, there's a guy who looks suspicious. He, they, they said he didn't have a weapon. They said he didn't have a gun or anything. He looked suspicious because he was wearing his skull cap, I guess. The police stop him. They detain him. He's like, look, I'm not doing nothing. Even while he's on the, gr on the ground uh, and they're covering him and they're sitting on him or whatever, and they got him in the chokehold, he's like, listen, I don't, I don't run like that. I'm not that kind of kid. I'm a good guy. I didn't do anything. I don't have any guns. I'm whatever. He's pleading with him. He's telling him he can't breathe, right? And this is what's important. When a person, when a person is uh, restrained by the police, often it's in the prone position. It's lying down, right? And often they're also getting choked too. Well, ketamine messes with your ability with your to breathe. Okay, so when you choke a person, or you put them in a certain position and they're restrained, and you give them ketamine, you increase the likelihood that they're going to die. But he was given ketamine after he. He was already cuffed. So there really wasn't a need to even sedate him then either, right? The only state that has banned the use of, of, of extreme delirium as a cause of death on autopsies is California. And they just did it last month. So that means anytime, yeah, go ahead. Get it. <laughs> You so basically, I just want to say, so basically uh, what we're saying is, and that's why I'm frowning so hard, <laughs> is that the responses to being choked, the responses to being assaulted by the police um, is what's considered excited delirium because it was a, literally a response to being choked. It was literally a response to being assaulted. And being so wrongfully <laughs> detained. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so basically there's they basically said the responses of black people are automatically considered a threat is what it boiled down to. No matter what you're being, it's just like being sprayed with the water hoses and you're not supposed to respond. You're not supposed to fight back. And some of the stuff that you mentioned as far as some of the symptoms are actual natural reflexes to being choked. Yeah. So, <laughs> or to running into the cops, paranoia, fear, panic. You know what I'm saying? If you're black, that's a real cause for concern. You know what I mean? Resisting uh, the orders. Like, why am I getting on the ground, sir? I didn't do anything. Go ahead, Nick, because I got more to say, and I don't want to take your time. Um, so <clears throat> I think you said something that really stuck out to me. Um, it's hard to put systematic racism on trial. Um, you have to put the individuals on trial, and then you have to sort out what actually occurred in any given situation, right? So if you get a call from, let's say, a random citizen who's like, hey, this looks suspicious, right? So already that person who called could have been a white person or a black person or saw a black person moving in a particular neighborhood calls the police. The police's job is to show up, assess the situation. Depending on the information they were provided, they may approach that situation a certain type of way. Um, and then things happen. You have multiple people on the scene um, and then you then also include the paramedics who are set to go on trial shortly. Right. And what the legal system, the judicial system has to try to do is assign responsibility and culpability. Right. In an adversarial dynamic where the prosecutor is going to have their point of view and the uh, defense is going to have their point of view and whoever can make the more compelling case uh, to the jury or the judge, uh, you know, wins, so to speak, or loses, depending on your perspective. 
So for me, like a lot of times, you know, it's not within, it's not even a question that what happened to this young man was tragic. In my opinion, it's not even a question that those responsible for it uh, should be held responsible and accountable for it. Uh, you guys mentioned, or it's already known that one of the police officers was found guilty. And then the jury for this particular case had to assess whether or not this particular individual did something that was a major cause of the young man losing his life, right? I am not a doctor. Um, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express, uh, but I don't know how the ketamine or the dosage of the ketamine affected that young man and what role the ketamine played in taking of his life. Because two things could be true. If he is guilty of excessive force, if he's guilty of you know, assault or whatever, right? That's one thing. And he can do that and be guilty of that, but it doesn't mean that he is guilty or responsible for the death of that young man. And I think the defense attorneys probably did a really good job of arguing that the, the ketamine played a far larger role. And then when you combine that with the senior patrol officer that was on the scene who actually had him, I think, pinned down to the ground, you can also maybe make the case that those are where the primary responsibilities lie. Um, because the move that he did, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but the move that he did only became illegal after the event. It wasn't like that right. that neck hold was illegal prior to, right? right? So in other words, within the police rule book, handbook, or whatever, that move was appropriate, or at least deemed so at the time. And as an officer, He's trying to restrain someone. And while it's completely understandable that the person is responding the way that he did because they have been falsely accused and so on and so forth. But to that particular officer's standpoint, it also depends on how many times they're telling him, hey, don't go anything. Don't do anything. Restrain. Stop fighting. Stop moving. Right. So there's all this different stuff that's going on. And I also think that sometimes we forget that people are human beings and there may be a fear there. So by no means am I trying to shoot the officer any bell. I just think that these situations oftentimes are for are far more complicated, nuanced than we really care to, you know, look at it because instinctively we understand what's happened here because it's happened a lot when it comes to how racism, systematic racism affects us and how these types of cases where we lose our lives because of an interaction with the police, we've seen it all too often. So like I said, that that part should go without saying. It's just that I got to a point for me, you know, we had a conversation yesterday about mental health for me and my mental health. I have to have a certain level of distance, right? Because if I absorb everything that's going on in the world, I don't know how to function, how to feel comfortable to even walk outside my own home. I, I already kind of tense up when police pull up near me or whatever to a certain extent. So maybe that's part of my PTSD with limited interaction with the police in that way. But at the same time, it's like, there's a lot more nuance sometimes to situations. And I just, that's why I think it's important to um, take the time to really understand those nuances. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that two things that you can, that you don't, doesn't mean that you can't still be outraged that this had to happen. Because again, like I said, and I'll wrap here, that it's hard to put systematic racism, you know what I'm saying, on trial. We talked about people who even hate themselves, right? There is something about, there's something pernicious, if that's the right word, of about racism that people can then do it to themselves in a way, right? The self-loathing and the self-hating, right? But if you ask that person if they hate themselves or they're self-loathing, they would not admit to that. That's how sneaky, that's how like pervasive racism is. 
because even that person who is doing something that may be deemed racist may not feel like that's what he's doing, right? Those the biases of 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 you know perception, right? These things. So again, I'm not excusing it, but I'm trying to understand the human dynamic because if we're going to be honest, some of us drive around in, in certain black neighborhoods and we lock our doors. We make judgment calls also in terms of how we move, right? So it's easy to just be like, oh, it's that person over there. Of course, not me, but there's ways that we do it too. So I think if we're able to recognize it and call it a thing, then we can start to work past it, right? Like the whole conversation around bias and, and the training that police need to have and making sure that they're aware of their bias and then not simply responding from it because America has done a great job of painting us as animals, as criminals, as people worthy to be feared, right? And sometimes, unfortunately, we play into that, whether it's in the music, our perception or image. And um, sometimes, unfortunately, people are responding to that. So that's all I got. Esther, you were about to say something? Yeah, so I was going to say that I believe that part of the the issue here um, is that not only the unconscious bias that exists, but also the mere fact that the media does a great job of, pro of that programming. Because if you notice that the majority of the news are always about Black people doing something wrong or uh, um, versus even though we make up a small population, you wouldn't think so because as far as crime wise, because they have the news is always showing us as these big, bad, magical creatures where just our skin alone is the biggest threat. And it's, uh, it's amazing that that contributed. But let's be honest. Let's think about how the system was made in the first place as far as these the police officers came from the Fugitive Slave Code, right? It was the whole, that's where their roots are. So why are we expecting, like, we want to see the change, but like, Racism exists. And I think, to be honest, that we can't expect, well, we can expect, but the problem is we also have to see legislation change. And so one of my biggest, and this goes back to Tim Scott, as a matter of fact, being the blocker of that um, George Floyd um, <laughs> crime bill <laughs> and where it was going to be something about a national database for law enforcement officers who use excessive force so they couldn't be or law enforcement officers who were um, convicted or whatnot so they couldn't just go to the next town and become another law enforcement so there's no accountability there's also conversations about if the doctors have to have medical malpractice insurance why can't police officers have it and then conversations around qualified immunity and because qualified immunity is actually relatively new for police officers. I believe it was administered or um, added during the Reagan administration back in like 1985 or something. And mm -hmm. so just like it was added, it could be taken away. But more importantly, because taxpayers actually foot, foot the bill for these um, lawsuits and whatnot, what if it was actually the police pension fund that started footing the bill? Um, mm. Would that then start holding other officers? Would they be more likely to be accountable to their fellow officers and say, hey, hold on a second. This might be too much. Is Will there be some type of need to now start self-regulating and regulating their peers because now it's affecting their pockets? The fact that these officers can't be sued directly is that something that can they have culpability and be sued directly? Because until we start affecting the pockets, then of the individual officers, we're not going to see a change. We're not going to see this shift because the taxpayers continue to foot the bill. You are so right. You know, you mentioned George Floyd, right? 
when George Floyd was on the ground saying he couldn't breathe and the guy was on his neck, one of the officers standing next to him goes, oh, I think he's got uh, excited delirium or whatever. Verbatim. Oh, yeah. Because because that was their, their excuse for continuing to stay on his neck. Right. And so this this excited delirium is that sprinkling of crap. And, and, and so I think I think that's the that's the culprit that wasn't on trial. I think that's the real cause behind Elijah's death. There was another young man named Elijah who suffered a very similar fate within four days of, of Elijah McClain. This young man didn't die, right? But he was like fighting for his life in a critical condition for a while in the hospital. There was a man in, um, I think in Rochester, New York. His name was Daniel Pride, Daniel Prude, right? He died from a ketamine administration because they said he had excited uh, delirium or whatever. I'm saying it's an issue. And, and as long as so. So we talked about passing laws. And I talked about what, what California did. And wherever you are, if you're in the states, talk to your representative, talk to whoever your, your congressperson is and get them to follow the path that California did. And let's stop letting people put excited delirium on, on autopsies as, as a cause of death, because it's not even a real medical condition. How can you die from something that's not a real medical condition? It has no right being in the public record as a reason someone died. Let's talk about what it really was. They died in police custody. They died from positional asphyxiation. The position that you had them in couldn't let them breathe. Let's have that conversation, right? Let, let's, that, so I feel like while, while people are looking at this officer and going, going, ooh, one got away, I think there's somebody, there's a bigger one that's getting away on a more constant basis. And I don't think we've been aware of, of how this has been playing into our community, into how our community is being policed, right? I'm just, I'll say this and I'll land on this part. It used to be that law enforcement policed the communities that they came from. So they knew the people in the community. They loved the people in the community. They had ties to the community. But now, a lot of times, our, our communities aren't policed by us, partially because we don't trust the police, partially because... Maybe we, some of us can't pass the background checks anymore because of a misspent youth or whatever, right? But because po po the police who police the community, community are not members and tied to that community, it affects their ability to protect and serve, which is the real job they're supposed to be doing. I saw no one protected or served Elijah McClain on that day. And that's the travesty of justice. And as long as we allow people to continue to slap excited delirium on any black person or whatever, when they're getting accosted or arrested or detained or whatever, as an excuse for medically sedating them um, while you're sitting on their chest or whatever, we're going to continue to see these, these death by law enforcement and EMT getting swept under the rug. And, and you know, it, it, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. Yeah, it's always yeah. yeah, it's always tough to have these conversations. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be impassioned, um, to be outraged, right? So it's very difficult, especially as we kind of come to the end of the show, right? Uh, we've had an amazing show so far, um, and obviously we did have to discuss this because it is something that's affecting our community. And thank you, Jay, for them um, really breaking it on S and M the commentary. 
So I guess with that really weird term, we're about to go ahead and close this show on out. Episode 11, where we talked about a little bit of everything from Joe Smith to, unfortunately, the police officer who was acquitted in the uh, death of, of uh, Elijah McClain. So with that being said, y'all, how do y'all feel? Let's woosah for a little bit. I feel like maybe we should have like a song that whenever we like, you know, have a tough topic and we want to transition a little bit, we just play that. And then we come back to it, you know what I mean? Like a little buffer, because it's really hard to do it after such a somber, a somber topic. Uh, but with that being said, how do you guys feel about today's episode, y'all? Number 11. Pew, 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 pew. I wish we had some Toby. What's his name, S&M? Oh, the shade. <laughs> you trying to get that 99, because I said 99.1%. But right. I just need one more. <laughs> I think you already got it, Jay. If you have a pronunciation <laughs> problems, I feel bad for you, son. Hey, so next, but um, but I do want to do a quick shout out. Is you know today's Veterans Day, so um, happy Veterans Day for those who served in the military. Um, as a former military member as well, um, just wanted to acknowledge the sacrifices for those who have served, and so happy Vet Day to you. Yes, thank you for that, SNM. Okay. Absolutely right. It is Veterans Day. Shout out to you, SNM. SNM, what yes, don't you girl, do? What, thank what, you for what your you don't do? Let's see. She, she in the military. She had the OnlyFans. What? I have no OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm sorry. Remember, that was Bones. That was SNM Bones. <laughs> She's a writer. She works with the kids. Kudos to yeah. you, SNM. Shout out to you. Hey, thank I have you a question. Service. Right. If, 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 it better not be by OnlyFans. Uh, well, it is because if the Crip wanted to watch it, would he put in SM cones? I just didn't <laughs> I'm gonna blame Keisha for this one. <laughs> Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Yeah, man. We're about to get up out of here before we continue singing. Any any other last commentary before we get out of episode eleven? If not, no, I want to I, I, I do want to say I want to thank I want to thank everybody for the support so far. We're getting mad feedback we're getting comments some of them are favorable some of them are like yo i don't like y'all whatever we don't, it, it's all good man we just love that you're here for the conversation so there's one more thing y'all can do though right to make this joke hello don't get on the puppet right that's is like like subscribe, subscribe. right follow my why you wait it go and do some reposting and some sharing you know what i'm saying why not <laughs> so we'd appreciate it let's get it out there you know, Jay, I just realized when you, as you were wrapping that up, I was like, holy shit, I don't think we told people to like, subscribe, follow, share, comment at all this episode, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were doing so good for like two episodes, but shout out. And you know, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to find a graphic that we can just add at the top of the video. Is it ping, ping, ping? And then just tell people, right? But we should tell people, they want to hear from us to like, subscribe, follow, share, comment, read, you know, all that good shit. You know what I'm saying? But with that being oh. said, y'all, this has been an amazing episode. Go ahead, Jay. He's like, I got something else. No, so, one thing, more yeah, thing. We've been hanging out on YouTube. So t- make sure you check us out on YouTube. You know what I mean? We watch the videos. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we even watch the shows. Live, when the live comes out, we'll be watching it with you. So if you want to get at us, Talk, chop it up. Look for us. We'll be there. You are sometimes. already know. And also, real quick, right? Because this show is about the people. You know, we were just merely vessels or conduits for the conversation to be had in a balanced, pers- you know, perspective. 
some toxicity, but also, you know, some really true uh, affiliation or, or, excuse me, adoration for the black community. So if you guys have any ideas of topics that we should talk about or, you know, mm -hmm. things that we can engage in, please let us know, man. We are here for you. But with that being said, SM, you got anything else before we get up out of here? Because you look like you was ready to say something. Check out SM, check out Jesse, check out SM Bones at OnlyFans. That's OnlyFans.com forward slash SM. Uh, that's big fat. Hell no. Don't check out this because it does not exist. If you do so, it doesn't exist on SM. You did not know. It may not be you, but you okay, do not you know, know what? You're right. It definitely not would not be Somebody's going to make some money off that. Watch. It definitely would not be me. So if you're looking for me, you might as well be whistling Dixie in the wind because it ain't. Whistling Dixie. So, Is that a racist thing? Where did that come from? Anyways, but go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, can we pay Anything with Dixie on our way racist, out? Low key. Uh, I'm sorry. Anything with Dixie low key sounds racist, but what you said has to do. Let's play our theme to roll on out. Boy, Drizzy Drake, and you are now rocking.